everyone, welcome to a very special episode of Game Face. We are here today to have our 2020 SFL Fantasy Draft, our fifth annual. We've been doing this for five years now. How will I beat him this time? Yeah, I will say this. I have not seen other publications doing it as much this year as they did last year. Well, we haven't done it yet, so they don't remember. Maybe. That might be (laughs) it, actually. That could be it. Um, But anyway, uh, just so you guys know how this works, Matt and I take turns picking games. I have the first pick this year. Uh, because Matt had it last year. We just take turns. Uh, and we take turns picking games until we both have 10 games. And we're not changing the rules this year either. Uh, some of the drafts that have been going on on Sifted have been insane. Uh, special rules where it depends on where you pick a, a game and all this other stuff. We're keeping it simple. We're doing it just like last year. We're going to have two teams of 10. And we're going to have two alternates in case two of those games on our list get delayed out of the year. I am very well-versed in that. Last year, I had three games out of my 10 that were delayed out of 2019. Um, So we're doing our draft today, but we're going to kick things off with a couple general topics because a couple things happened this week that we do want to discuss with you guys before it becomes yesterday's news. Um, The first of which is that PlayStation has already announced that it will not be at E3 2020, the year that it is launching the PlayStation 5. Matt, is E3 over? Um, it, it seems like it's on the downhill. I mean, sure. if you can't get Sony. And if Sony proves you don't need it, right. what's the point? What's the point? I mean, I feel like you're, you're, we're very much on the path to E3 just becoming kind of a more corporate-focused version of PAX. Yeah, it sure seems like it's on the road to just becoming another consumer event. Yep. Um, I mean, we've been kind of feeling that for the last couple of years. Yeah. But Sony's skipping two years in a row, especially the year they're launching, launching a new console, is I never dreamed a this would happen. Statement. I, I mean, I suspected it. it. I didn't know if they'd have the balls, frankly, to, like, you know, really abandon that. But it's like someone said on they're Twitter. Never, I mean, they're never coming back now. Yeah, no. Why no would re- you ever come you back? You don't need to come back this year. You're never you coming back. back. Sony is never going to be at E3 no, again. That's the end of that. It's and insane. Like, as someone said on Twitter, I think by 2022, E3 is just going to be Devolver going wild like in the West Hall. Like, yeah, I mean, it might be. Yeah. Um, the other thing, too, is when, it, when things turn into fan events or community events, the access suffers. Mm-hmm. You don't get those big game debuts anymore. You don't get hardware debuts. Yeah. You're basically checking out what is already a known quantity. And I think like you're really sort of hitting the thing. You're finally hitting the point where, because like early on, letting the public in felt like kind of a, a band aid of we need money, we need to you know up attendance, we need to, and like that worked in the short term, but in the long term, it just makes it feel less special. Yeah, and like you know, one of the big draws of E3 coverage, I think, for a long time, was no one can get in here unless you're part of the industry, and so showing you this peak of what this thing is was sort of like the real draw of coverage. And now anyone with a cell phone and a ridiculous amount of disposable income, because it, it it's does not cost. cheap to get there and stay there and be here in LA. Um, you know, it's all just the same, you know, and, and it doesn't help that they're start because of the exposure to the public. They're pretty much just starting to double up the same displays they take to things like Gamescom or PAX. Yeah, they're not even creating like unique booths yeah. anymore. There's no E3 experience anymore. The publishers just don't yeah. seem to place the same emphasis on it that they used to. Yeah, like the only special thing about E3 now is that like seeing people I know and going to the parties where I 
you know, that we only get yeah, into networking and reconnecting and, and seeing everyone and hanging. I mean, the, the real E3 for me is, is in the hotels nearby because that's where everybody is having their yeah. biz dev meetings. Yep. And uh, it's, you know, a lot of people I know that are, you know, been, have gone for decades, like don't even go on the floor anymore. Yeah. So. Yeah. And the floor was pretty much empty last year. It was also interesting when the ESA went through the data breach. And mm. we got a lot of data from E3, and we found out that E3 is only letting in a couple thousand journalists for free every year, which mm-hmm. is just complete garbage. Uh, it's insane to think that with this event, they feel like they can only let in a couple thousand journalists. And they're only doing it so that those people who are going to come anyway will then pay to get in. It's a total money grab. Yeah. So is this a smart idea, Matt, for PlayStation? Um. I mean, prob- I'm sure they'll have it, some gigantic blowout event or I mean, whatever. Probably, but- here's, I, I think they're right. I don't think they need it. Okay. I think people are going to pay attention to the PlayStation 5 no matter what. You don't need to be at this kind of increasingly arbitrarily timed event. Um, Do you think maybe and it's Xbox save a or Nintendo fans, though, might not tune in to a separate event just for PlayStation, but if it was a part of E3, they might get exposed to some of that stuff? No, I think, I think you're... I think the people that only stick to Nintendo maybe are a larger cohort than than Xbox, but I feel yeah. like most people outside of sort of the hardcore Nintendo fanboys are pretty open to just I want to play a good game. Yeah, and I think if Sony's got something good, they're gonna they're at least gonna notice it. Maybe they won't buy a PlayStation for it, but they'll know it's they'll know it's there. They'll know it exists. They'll play it on their friends' PlayStation. It'll you know they'll, they'll get around to it. And also like if you know the trend hit, continues here, like. More Sony stuff seems to be going to PC eventually, so you know that that's not a bad trend. Yeah. In terms of getting your your games out there, it's just like I, I mean, it's, a, it's kind of a grand experiment, I guess, on the part of Sony. But it is sort of it does sort of make sense in, the, in in the way that you know it costs a lot of money to go to E3 for for a corporate, especially if you you're a big like Sony and you've got that huge booth space and stuff. Well, they're also and charging they're like that, quadruple per square foot of yeah. every other gaming convention. Yeah. And there and you know there's been a lot of chatter of like how like this is, you know, they're skipping it not just because they don't think they necessarily need it because they're big enough to to draw eyeballs no matter when they reveal the PlayStation 5, but because they're still having arguments with the ESA over how much it costs to go to this thing and they feel they feel that they can spend that money better by using it for direct promotion under their control for PlayStation for PlayStation Five, and like it's hard for me to disagree with that at this point. What's the well? First of all, what has led to the demise of E three? Is it just technology and how cheap it's become? I think it's some to, of that. one to yeah. cover it and how easy it is to just sit at home and watch live streams. I, th- I think it's part of that. I think it's just like the fact that you don't have to get everyone in one place to talk directly to the public anymore yeah. like it's that's the thing it's like the, the the thing about e3 and why it was special back in the day was that like it was the only time during the year that every the whole industry came to one spot one place all the news filtered out through that one convention center like everything that was happening in the industry happened right there it was the time you had all the eyeballs you had the mainstream press you had all but that's just not the case anymore like you can you know, Nintendo or whoever can put up their their direct and get millions of eyeballs on it right there. Um, and truth be told, it's better, really, yeah. because every outlet can download that direct, have the B-roll right mm-hmm. away. Um, if you think back to E3 even 10 years ago, like you would go and you'd have to collect B-roll. Yeah. You'd have to go and meet with a PR person who would hand you a disc with trailers or gameplay on it, screenshots, stuff like that. All that stuff's gone now. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of the reasons for why you would do a live in-person convention that isn't consumer focused is kind of moot at this yeah. point. Like you don't need that. You don't need to get the press all out there to get their hands on things. You can just send them a code. Yeah. You, don't, you don't need to hold a giant press conference and try to like drown, get, you know, not be drowned out by all the other noise because you can just do it like a month later and have no competition. Like I know we get like kind of wrapped up in like who won E3, but like if you're spending $100 million to be at E3, you don't want to risk losing E3. So why don't you just like wait until late July or early August and say like, here we're gonna put up our thing and no one else is gonna do a thing that can compete with that. It's, you know, there's no barrier holding you back from that anymore. And, And also like I think, the, you know, the mid to late 2000s and the real explosion of the industry and the, you know, the becoming bigger than any other me- entertainment medium, um, bigger than movie, you know, in terms of revenue, um, and the explosion of the Wii. I think the Wii is part of what killed E3 because all of a sudden this stuff was so big and so pervasive that mainstream media, media finally realized we have to pay attention to this the way we pay attention to movies and television and other entertainment. So you're never going to have a moment where you unleash PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series X or Switch 2 or whatever when CNN and all these other mainstream outlets aren't going to pay attention because it's the business the business is too big to ignore. So here's my question though. Why does everybody else go? Um I think some of it's inertia. Like they you know I think or just habit? And habit and inertia and also it's an like expensive it's, habit. And no one has done what Sony's done yet. No one's done the thing that says like hey, you don't need this. Like well, I mean, because you worry about if you if you do skip it and then no one cares after that, like you've damaged your brand, you know. And maybe Sony's the only one that could do that. Maybe, you know, arrogant Sony might be actually doing everyone a favor by being uh, what would would have once been called the first penguin. Yeah. You know, some some you know all the penguins gather on the side of the ice, and one of them has to go in first. And if they don't get eaten by a leopard seal, it's safe to go in. <laughs> do you think we're going to see more defections? Do you think before E3 this year, and even looking ahead to 2021, do you think? I don't know about this year, but I think if if the PlayStation 5 launch goes off without a hitch and the sales are strong, and then like you said before, if they sell out their allotment, you know, same same as uh, um, what you call it, same as uh, Xbox, which by the way, like also isn't really there. I mean, they're, yeah. they're across the street. Right. You know, there's a, there, there was yeah. a, there was like an Xbox Live booth, I think, there two years ago, and then last year there the was mixer no, booth. There yeah, was there was a mixer yeah. booth. That's right, and there was no Xbox presence on the floor this year. None. It was yeah. just Nintendo and a bunch of it was a, Nintendo and a bunch of stuff that would have been in Kensha Hall 15 years ago. Yeah, I mean, there's still big third party guys there. Here and there. I mean, you got Sega and. and uh, I mean, Ubisoft's still there. Got pretty much the same booth they've had forever. Um, yeah. But Activision wasn't on the floor this year. Gone. EA's been gone. EA, yeah, EA's been gone forever. EA's I mean, I was hoping back. all along that the momentum would change. And it was going to take something from the ESA to do this. But I was hoping all along <laughs> that momentum would change. And this would be the point where things start turning the other way. I mean, I think that but was possible, but the, not the, ES, the ESA. It failed. Didn't do that. It failed. Yeah. It, do you think... Just lowering the cost of booth space is enough for the ESA, though. I don't think so. I think the ESA needs to be more useful and less annoying to these companies. Like, I, I, I've never really heard anyone who works at any of these big companies like say anything particularly kind about the ESA. It's just sort of a necessary evil. Pactor likes the ESA. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> He likes Factor it. doesn't think the data leak mattered. And, he doesn't. Uh, yeah. I don't agree well, again, with that because he likes the he's ESA. Not, yeah, he's not, it's also <laughs> he doesn't not want him. to say anything bad about the ESA. His his information actually did leak, but he just didn't care. But doesn't he have like a? It was his home or was it his office? I don't know. 
Cause like, but I challenge him on that. I'm like, oh, you don't care because your stuff isn't out there. And he yeah. said that it was. So I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he's not impossible to find if you want to find him. Yeah, but yeah. Like, yeah. It's just, it's just really stupid and sloppy. And like, they should be better about that in this world where it's easy to be become a target of harassment and a target of God knows what, especially in this industry. Yeah. Um, it's it's bizarre that they didn't find that to be a priority. And uh, if they can't get that together, why do you think they're going to be able to lobby for you properly in Congress? Yeah, because I really don't think that just lowering the boost space price is going to move the needle. No. It's not going to change the momentum back to a positive direction. Uh, it has to be kind of a systematic change from top to bottom for E3 before I think these publishers who have decided it's not worth it would even consider whether it is now worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got to be more than just that financial incentive. I think the ESA needs to show the publishers that it has <laughs> a direction for this show. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think and I one, th- that it will be feasible. I mean, it's ironic that an industry that's driven by technology, its most important convention was killed by technology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so crazy. Well... You live long enough. Live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I you guess. did, <laughs> I um, guess so. But I mean, it's just like, and also I think like Microsoft. Look, I think Microsoft would have been gone already if they didn't literally own a theater across the street. You know, you're right. Like, you're right. It's it's, you know, it's not worth it anymore for for a lot of these. And like, and that's been a, there's been a, an increasing among you know the, the long term veterans. I've definitely noticed an increasing malaise surrounding E3 going forward and people spending a lot more time at the Devolver booth across the street than they maybe need to because it's like a different vibe there. And yeah, it's and it's chill fun. And and fun and yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's just, and I don't see how you get it back. Like if, if, Sony, if Sony's launch goes well uh, for the PS5, if they, if, you know, if they don't have any problem getting the word out and getting things off the shelves, I don't see what you could possibly say to Sony to convince them that E3 is worth anything to them anymore. I mean, I would assume the ESA flew to meet with Sony, had a Mm -hmm. presentation, a deck to show Sony, to convince Sony to come back, to show it why it should come back. And, I mean, apparently that that argument just wasn't compelling enough. And if you've done that, if you've made your best pitch as the ESA and it still wasn't successful, you're in deep crap. Yeah. Um, and you I don't know wonder if, what Nintendo's thinking looking at this because you know Nintendo prefers to do their own thing. I mean, it was the first one, really. It stopped yeah. doing the press conference first, remember? Yeah. It's, it was the first one to stop doing live press conferences at E3. And everybody freaked out. And it, all it was was a harbinger of mm-hmm. what was to come. If anything, Nintendo, now in hindsight, really kind of took a baby step away. Yeah, they kind of saw it coming a little more. I mean, part of it was just to mitigate the amount of money they were spending in the wake of the Wii U crashing and burning, but they very, it seemed to very quickly learn that it wasn't hurting them. Yeah. And I think everyone else is figuring that out. So I don't know what's going to happen with E3, but it's not looking good right now. Uh, The show should be good this year, but I think in 2021, you will start to see a bigger exodus. Mm -hmm. So ESA has got to do something, but it might be too late at this point. I don't know what they could do. Like it's too. I mean, you can't shrink this thing back down and k- kick the public out again because you're gonna lose. They're gonna lose too much revenue to justify that to themselves. In an, you know, in an effort to make it feel more exclusive or more you know smaller. I mean, at some point, I imagine they'll only use one hall. Yeah, it may be next year. Yeah, I mean, you're getting <laughs> yeah. to the point. I mean, the way the momentum's going right now. I mean, there was a lot of empty space last year yeah. at the show. I mean, they probably could have squeezed it. Into the one of, hall. Yeah, I mean, by the end of the week, I, I you know, because I was with a camera crew for, for IGN, and, like, a couple times we were just like, 
why do we have to keep walking across the whole convention center to get to these things when it's just like there's nothing in between. Yeah, you could you could you could cram everything in one place and a little bit outside of it of that hall. Like if you like this, yeah, this, that area, and this right here, right yeah. here, you could you could. Yeah, that whole hallway all the way down to like yeah. kind of the main entrance. Like you could do that whole thing up with booths and like little little displays and like you know put the rest in that hall and you'd be fine. ESA would never do that though. It's not right now because now, it would no. look like it's making the show smaller when publishers, I'm guessing, are asking right. for it to be bigger. All I can say is, uh, I was unco- last year. I was uncomfortably reminded of E for All at times. Yeah, no, I agree. Yep, especially now that the public's in there. Yeah. Yep, makes a difference. I mean, to be fair, there's a lot more public in there than there ever was at E for All. Uh, yeah, e- that's the, the e- funny e part. E for All is one of the <laughs> emptiest places I've ever been. Um, Monumental I still failure. remember, was, I, I remember going, I went with a, uh, it was a, a camera crew and I had Blair Herter. And they basically sent us, a, sent us, like, go see what you can find. Like, we had an appointment for one of those vests that punches you in the chest when you get shot. Yeah. And that was about it. And we're just like, oh, right, let's see what else we got. And, um, and Blair's like, I got an idea. Like bring the camera crew over here, and like we're just gonna set up in the middle because the 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 whole the, the hall was set up weird. It was like all the booths were sort of in like a semicircle around. Yeah, the I thing. stood like and in the like middle. A, yeah, the big empty part <laughs> in the middle. So we just all stood in the middle with our camera crew very visible, and like slowly PR people started to come out and say, like, "You want to do that?" Like we didn't have to do anything because yeah, like, you were one of the only outlets there. I yeah. went there; it was so sad. All right, let's move on. We need to talk about Microsoft because there's been some big big stories coming out about Microsoft as well. Some of it in response to some of the stuff that Sony has been talking about over the last month or so. Um, So one of the things we actually didn't bring up when we were talking about PlayStation because of E3, obviously, is that PlayStation recently announced that there will be PlayStation 5 exclusive games Mm -hmm. at launch. And that was on the heels of Microsoft announcing that there will be no exclusive games for Xbox Series X Mm -hmm. at launch. Um, How do you feel about that? I mean, that's pretty much been their MO for a while now. Like yeah. Everything, everything at least also works on PC. So Does it matter? I guess not. Like, I don't think that's... I, I don't think Microsoft... I've said it a lot, but I don't think Microsoft cares about selling you hardware. I think they care about putting you in their ecosystem. Yeah. So that's just part of it. Yep. Um, it will attend E3. Yeah. I, I saw <laughs> Phil's tweets on that. It was, it was very, very subtweety, sir. Yeah. Um, it's, that's some, that was some... Uh, but again, they responded... That was some good shade. Yeah. Immediately after yeah. PlayStation announced it, they came out and said that they are going to be there. Now, when, when Xbox says no exclusive well, games at launch, that doesn't mean no new games at launch. Right. It's basically just saying that every game that comes out or in that time period will be play, playable on Series X and Xbox One X mm-hmm. and Xbox One. And PC. And PC. Yeah. So it just won't look as good. I mean, at this point, are there ever going to be exclusive games for Series X? Probably not. I don't think so. Yeah. No. I mean, it's just not a thing it's anymore. It's apparently just not their brand anymore. Yeah. It's not the way Microsoft is operating anymore. Um, now, there's been some confusion over PlayStation saying that it would have exclusive games mm-hmm. at launch. Some people are reading that to mean that you won't be able to play PS5 game, five games on the PlayStation 4. Uh, certainly, it sounds like those games. Yes, sounds like they are going to be designed for PS5 games only. Only. How do you feel about that? Uh, I mean, I'm going to have a PS5, so I don't really yeah. care. But that's uh, fine. I mean, you want to design something that specifically take advantage of the new hardware? Cool. I don't see why it couldn't scale. Yeah, I don't. I think it's just a tactic. I mean, it's yeah. not that it's technically infeasible. Yeah, I, th- it's, I think it's just that's a little more traditional console. There, yeah. that they're that they're going. And Microsoft is trying to do something a little, little more cell phony. Yep. For sure. Um, Xbox also announced this week that right now it has 15 studios creating 
well, I don't know if I should say exclusive, but creating content for Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And it is hoping to have a new release from those 15 studios every three to four months, which is a big improvement yeah. over what we've got over. I mean, that's what they need to do. Yeah. Do you think, one, that that's feasible? And two, do you think it's good enough? I think it is feasible considering all the the studios they've picked up and sort of the, the stable they've built. Uh, is it enough? Uh, it's It's a step. Yeah. Like, I think three to four months is, I mean, that you're kind of in old Nintendo territory there. Mm-hmm. It's like one thing a quarter is, like, better than nothing, but, like, you need to get to the point that Nintendo's at now where you're putting out something worthwhile every month. Yeah. I don't think every, every quarter is good enough. No. And, I mean, look, that's a huge improvement over Xbox One where we got something maybe every six months or, in some cases, some cases like, one big game a year. Mm-hmm. Um so it's an improvement, but yeah, I still feel like it's not. They're not done by yeah. any means. I mean, it sounds like they are done buying studios for now, though. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like, from an interview that I read anyway, that Microsoft is interested in getting anyone else on board. They kind of have their stable now, and they want to get those teams up to speed, creating their games, so they can start plotting out the release schedule mm-hmm. uh, for the product as it finishes. Yeah, I just the main thing I think is they need to take more risks and strike out in new directions on what they're making more often because Microsoft definitely fell into a a rut of just like we made yeah. driving games and shooters and that's it and like you need to give me you know say what you will about Nintendo one way or the other but the other thing about each of those monthly releases is they're all very different from one another yeah like you're not playing the same thing two, two months in a row when yeah. you're buying like the big Nintendo exclusive true yeah and same you know and PlayStation even I mean PlayStation does kind of have that sort of you know, they specialize in that sort of cinematic action game sort yeah. of thing. But God of War doesn't feel like Days Gone doesn't feel right. like Spider-Man. Yeah. So, like, yep. you, you, you feel like you're getting a unique experience even if they are similar in a similar vein. Yeah. Um, whereas Microsoft is like, here's another fucking Gears game. Now, Days Gone and The Last of Us, pretty close. Somewhat. I think The Last of Us is a much better everything for yeah, the Yeah, I mean, part. it all, of course, um, yeah. Like, it, you know, I, I see where they're going with Days Gone, but it just, like... And there's there's potential there, and a day's gone too is probably gonna be something pretty special. But. Like I wouldn't be surprised if we're playing The Last of Us Part Two, and you're out in the wilderness, and you see like a biker gang ride by. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you it's could, like an Easter egg. If, for if you made days the gone. zombies and d- Days Gone clickers, you'd ha- you, they could be in the same universe. Right. No problem. Yeah. Yep. Uh, another thing that Microsoft uh, discussed this week, again, almost as a rebuff to Sony. All games will play up and down the consoles. So mm-hmm. unlike Sony, where it's saying, like, no, this is a PlayStation 5 game, even though it'll run on your PS4, Microsoft's like, screw that. Like, if you have the old Xbox, it's going to run it. It's not going to run as fast. It's probably not mm-hmm. going to look as good, but it'll run. Um, which which do you think is the better strategy? I mean, my, my guess would be the better. I mean, it kind of depends. I guess, like, the better strategy for a business would be to force your consumers to buy the new hardware. Uh, but I think the more consumer-friendly option is what Microsoft is doing and just letting you play what you can, whatever you want to play on your hardware and sort of leaving you that carrot on the stick of like, well, I'd like to get the better, the, the better one so I could run it better and make it look better, which has worked for PC games for a very long time. Um, I have a question. It's also interesting that they keep talking about playing older games like you know, move up. Well, Hip Hop Gamer, like a week and a half ago, said he had all this information about how you're going to be able to play every single PlayStation game ever on PlayStation mm-hmm. 5. And then a few days later, this comes out and people are now confused. But I have a question. Is it actually better for PlayStation to sell more consoles if, and this is an if, 
if they're losing money on the hardware? Or is it better to just put out the games? You're cool if people buy a PS5. You don't care that much if they don't. But it plays mm-hmm. on the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 5, and then you sell so much more software. Somewhat, but I think you also have to build that base so you can you know, make that money on the software moving forward because if there's one thing Sony is committed to, it's continuing to spend bigger and bigger budgets on things that take advantage of the PS5 hardware because that's where their bread and butter is on those cinematic adventure games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they 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 want they expect to sell 15 million copies of God of War 2 because it's going to look obscene on the PS5. Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't know. Like, I'm sure they've run their own numbers and they have they they think that this is the way to go. I don't know if I believe this stuff about all the backwards compatibility on this. I mean, I mean, I look, like is hip hop gamer. <laughs> I do feel like you're going to be able to bring. I like, love the guy, but he's not. Typically, right. a source of insight. I feel like you're going to be able to bring like a lot of your digital library, if not all of it, forward. But like in terms of like you know, I will believe that you can stick a PS3 disc in this thing and play it right off the bat when I see it because I don't believe anything. That would be the biggest shock. I don't believe anything emulates the cell processor properly right. enough to do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, if anyone could do it, it could be Sony. But like you know, Cerny could probably figure it out. But like the other question becomes like, how in the world is that worth your time? Yeah, you know, like I might use that three times. To play, like, I, I hardly ever like, use backwards compatibility. I mean, I use it a lot on uh, on Xbox because all you have to do is just games, download your game. All you have to do is play. Yeah, yeah. So that's because that's different. And there's some stuff on the old Xbox that, like, you know, the most played things I think on my on backwards compatibility on my Xbox are uh, the Kotors and the Ninja Gaidens because. They're not on anything else yeah. except you know I have, PC, I have PC versions of the Kotors, but like those never came forward. Yeah, you know, like having a lot of those old Star Wars games is great. They like Republic Commando and like you know all that stuff is great. Like uh, you know some of the other exclusives, um, Crimson Skies. That's oh yeah, never some of that old else. school. If you put yeah. the, put those Mech Assault games on there again. Yeah. You work that license out. I'd play those. You know, it's like the the best part of backwards compatibility for me is kind of saving those old exclusives that never came forward or were on anything else yeah. from the junk the junk pile of history essentially. Yeah. Um, and there's a, there's a few games on PS3 that I think deserve that treatment too. But like a lot of that stuff has come forward. I mean, for at one point I would have said Yakuza was in that category, but they've, you know. Sega's pulled all that stuff forward, and you play everything on PS4 now. It's great. Yep. So uh, I don't know. Like, that's a cool feature, but I just don't know if that's as much as I would like it to be a thing. I don't know if that's worth Sony's time, especially considering now they seem to have this focus on like we're not afraid to make things PS5 exclusive, and yeah. like, you know, so that seems to be really counter to the idea that they would focus really hard on making sure you can play all your old games on this thing. It's interesting how the two companies have come to different conclusions mm-hmm. on the same question. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of it, you're right, does depend on kind of their corporate culture, what their goals are, mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, the final nugget of Xbox news from this week is that rumors are swirling that there may be a Windows mode huh. on Xbox Series X where you can literally... Just flip a switch, and suddenly it's like a PC with Windows and Steam and Epic Game Store mm-hmm. and Humble Bundle. Like, all that stuff would open up. One, do you believe the rumor? And two, if you do, what do you think about it? I don't really believe it because I don't see what the advantage to Microsoft is there. Like, yeah. that's not you're their, letting them out. Now you're letting them ecosystem. out of your ecosystem. Yeah. You're going against the grain of everything you've tried to accomplish. It just—it sounds like a wishful like a, thinking. Like wishful thinking <laughs> yeah. Like pipe dream. Yeah. yeah, it would be awesome though. How great would it be? Oh, yeah. if you could just use Windows on your Series X, it would be the most powerful PC everybody has. Yeah, 
I mean, it would be awesome to be able to play some PC stuff in 4K on your Series X. Mm -hmm. But you're right. Like, Microsoft would have to exclude Steam somehow, exclude Epic Game Store, and then push Windows Storefront on you somehow. I just think it's too... It's it's just too good to be true. Yeah, like it, it, it. I don't see where Microsoft benefits from that. I don't either. Yeah, there's. Really, I don't see any way it benefits because you can I'd, also I'd love it. It'd be great because then also but. you can start. You know, emulators with pirates. Yeah. I mean, it opens up the door to so I mean, much. It makes stuff. that thing an all-in-one box in a way almost nothing has ever been, which might actually be the answer, right? To, to why Microsoft because like that would be even if I wasn't interested in Xbox games. Having a box that did that that easily might be enough to get me to buy one. Or if, like... That seems like a really long shot, though. Or if you even just do something like you seed a rumor of... I mean, maybe that's what's just happened. Yeah. Maybe Microsoft seeded this rumor yeah. somewhere. Well, that seems to be happening more when you see the Assassin's Creed thing. Yeah. Where the, the leak about the Assassin's Creed Viking thing, it turned out to be intentionally false. Yeah, to, to like, see who was picking it up yeah. and... Yeah. Sneaky. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, <laughs> it's warfare out yeah, there. <laughs> information warfare in the game industry. Uh, I dig it. Yeah. So anyway, um, a big week for both Xbox Series X and PlayStation Five. Any of this uh, change your opinion on either of the platforms? No. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm in. I don't. I'm in. I'm buying them both. So. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's funny how like you know Microsoft. I know there's like specific things I'm gonna want, especially because the studios they bought. Yeah. Like, look, I'm gonna want to play whatever Obsidian. Yeah. Has or whatever. Yeah. Sony, we don't really know too much, but like, there's no possible way I'm not going to play what Sony's putting out from the first party yep. perspective, like, even beyond. Ghost I mean, of first Sakuna. party stuff for me makes me buy every platform. Yep. Period. And generally, two of the three platforms I rarely ever play. I'll play them just for the exclusive stuff on that platform. And then I'll have one platform where I play the exclusives and the third party yeah, stuff. The most powerful one. Yeah. But and it's worth it. Oh, yeah. It's worth the money that you spend for those other two platforms to play the exclusives. Instead of – I remember whenever I was young and poor and I just had one platform. And what you would end up doing is you'd end up buying games that aren't all that great because you want or mm-hmm. need something to play. And so you end up wasting money on mediocre games or you convince yourself in your head that the game is going to be better and that all the, the reviews are wrong – you start getting in this weird space where you're kind of doing mental gymnastics with yourself. When you have all three consoles, one, you're never, ever without something good to play. Mm-hmm. Like, very rarely. Like, right now, yeah. Like, this, the start of this year has been yeah, really, not a lot been happening right really now. slow. Um, but typically, if you have all three consoles, you always have something great to play. So, again, I've said this for the 20 years I've been doing this. I always recommend that people, instead of buying, like, Four or five mediocre or crappy games for that one platform that they have, they save that money and buy another platform. Yeah. That's my suggestion. And never sell hardware. Yeah. Always keep I it. never get rid of the console. I've never sold hardware. No. Yeah. I, you're always going to regret it. Yep. Absolutely. Because that's one thing that they can never take away from you. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a disc and the console, it's always going to play. Yeah. And with your digital stuff, who knows? Now, yeah. I mean, the digital stuff I'm not too worried about. For me, it's just like. Depends on the vendor. Yeah. Like, not worried about is, is, PlayStation is disc, or Xbox. Is my disc copy of No Man's Sky of any use? Not anymore. Not really. <laughs> like, although it might it's be a fun. key still. One but. day it might be fun to go and like play that on like a, an offline PlayStation Four and just play like the C1. zero <laughs> version of No Man's Sky again. It would be unrecognizable. Yeah, they've changed that game that much. Oh yeah. Yep. All right. 
So there you go. Those are the only big stories from this week. I'm not sure what other podcasts are doing. I'm glad yeah. we have a draft this week. I mean, those are pretty pretty big stories. Oh, yeah. If you yeah. have, like, more people than we do, I bet you could just argue about that for an hour. You probably could. Yeah. You know? Well, we just did it for about 32 minutes. All right. So <laughs> I think we, we did all right. All right, everyone. It's time for the SFL, the Sifted Fantasy League video game draft for 2020. Uh, a quick recap yeah. for those of you who maybe haven't watched. This is the fifth year we've been doing this. Uh, but just in case you haven't checked it out before, uh, Matt and I take turns picking games until we have two teams of 10. Then we both pick two alternates because what happens is if a game gets delayed out of the year, you would get a zero for that score. Uh, but we have two alternates that you can slide in in case the game is delayed out of the year. And then what we do at the end of the year is we add up the average review score for each game and then the person with the highest overall number, the highest aggregate review score, wins the league. Matt won the league last year. I won it the year before. Then you won the first two years, I think, yep. right? Yep. And then you won the year with Marcus. Right. Yeah. So he's crushed me. <laughs> but overall, I'm like two and three. Um, <clears throat> any other notes we should share before we get on with the, the picking? I don't think so. I mean, this this is an interesting, even more so than usual, draft because we know almost nothing about the second half of the year. Yeah, because it's all... Like, there are no new system launch games in this. There yeah. are no, like, you know, it's. It, I think the latest we, we go here is probably, you know, probably Ghost of Tsushima. I picked a game that comes out in Q... Well, almost Q4. I mean, yeah, yeah. But there are no hard Q4 games in this draft. No, there's, I, there's probably a couple. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, another thing we should let you know, know is that if you haven't figured it out by now, Matt and I have actually already picked our teams. Mm -hmm. um, because you'll see once we start the draft, we have graphics that go along with the draft, and we need to know what the games are beforehand to get those graphics ready. So while we do the draft, we're not picking the games live, but we will explain kind of where we were in our headspace when we made these picks, other games we were considering, why we decided to settle on the one that we chose. So there's going to be a lot of context for each one of our picks in this draft, but they're not live. And I just want to get that out there. We're not trying to fool anybody or anything. Um, so I guess that's it. I think we're ready to rock. Uh, one more note. So the Sifted Fantasy Challenge, which I talked about on the show last week, is launching next week. Tuesday. So by the time we get back here for the next episode of Game Face, it will be live and I'll be pushing to it. Uh, there will be a link in the show description. You guys will find it. Uh, but I just want to let you know that everything is kicking off next Tuesday morning. Uh, the site will be up. We're doing some work on it to kind of gussy it up a little bit for the second season. Uh, but it'll be ready for next Tuesday. And next Tuesday morning, that's when the floodgates will open. And you better go and make your picks. And again, there's going to be a real prize for the winner this year. So get excited for that. But mm -hmm. now it's time for Matt and I to pick our teams. And we will be talking about this all year long. Mm -hmm. it's, it's one of these things. We do the draft in January, and then it's something that we come back to the entire year long. So how we do the draft pick is we the first year we did it, we flipped the coin, and then every year after that we've taken turns getting the first overall pick. So, Matt, last year picked first. Your first pick was Anthem. Mm -hmm. uh, and good, I, good job. <laughs> well, I get the first <laughs> pick this year, and I'm hoping that – what did Anthem end up at? Like a 58? 57 or 58, yeah. I'm hoping it'll get above that. Yeah, I don't – I. I mean, I really hope you don't get anthemed on this one because <laughs> I need this game to be good. It would be a nightmare if it were. And I, I don't think there's any surprise on what the first overall pick is of the SFL 2020 draft, but it is Cyberpunk 2077. 
Uh, I could not pick anything else first mm-hmm. overall. Uh, generally, when you're doing fantasy sports, and that's not just video game fantasy or fantasy football, or it's any kind of fantasy sports, you should try to figure out what is most likely to happen. Mm-hmm. Because there's luck involved. And so you want to try to take out as much luck as you can and try to be as safe as possible. Particularly with this, because if a game gets delayed out of the year, you get a zero for that game. So I cannot think of a safer game at number one than Cyberpunk 2077. It stunned me every time I've checked it out. Could it be bad? Bad might be a stretch. Mm-hmm. But could it get like a six or a seven? Sure, it absolutely could. Uh, my concerns, and look, this wasn't just a slam dunk. I actually took a little bit to think about it and like look at some other options. It's CD Projekt Red. It's not exactly known for releasing polished games. Like mm-hmm. generally, its games are pretty buggy and in some cases downright broken. So well, certainly, the, I mean, the first two Witcher games they pretty much had to redo. Yeah, they were enhanced editions of each one that they gave out for free because they were busted. Yeah, basically broken. So look, there is some risk with this pick. But again, when I looked at all the other games, and you're going to see the first mm-hmm. four rounds of this draft were pretty easy, and then it starts to kind of get hard. Um, once you get past those first four rounds, I think you'll start to see why Cyberpunk was kind of the pick. And I would guess that in all the drafts going on on Sifted or if people are doing them other places, and I'm sure in the Fantasy Challenge that this is probably going to be the most popular number one mm-hmm. pick. Well... So I was definitely sitting there thinking, like, well, he gets first pick. Oh, I wonder he's going to pick. I know he's going to take Cyberpunk. But then, like, after the more I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? I think my first pick is the first pick because I think this might outscore Cyberpunk by a point or two. Okay. And that's Last of Us Part Two. Yeah, I can see it. Now, Cyberpunk is my most wanted game of the year. I mean, you know, Last of Us Part Two is probably down closer to four or five. But um, I think this might be the highest rated game of the year. Yeah. I've never seen a Naughty Dog game get anything below, like, a 9. Have you? Can't recall. No. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, like, back in the crash days. I Probably even then, even I doubt. That, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't want to say that Naughty Dog gets a bump because, look, its games are amazing. They're incredibly mm-hmm. polished. They're moving. Uh, they're intelligent. They're targeted at adults. And it's clear to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think also I just think it reviews well. You know, it's yeah. A, it's a fairly self-contained experience. The reviewer gets through it in a decent amount of time where Cyberpunk can drag. You know. Yeah. And, uh, we just don't know what kind of bugs you're going to run into in Cyberpunk. It's like, it's like, oh, I think we know there are going to be bugs. There's going to be some stuff in there. It's like, I just, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, and they've never done a first-person game before. I, yeah. Like, the more and more I thought about it, the more and the less annoyed I got that you got Cyberpunk. And the more I'm like, you know, I mean, it's not like having Cyberpunk on your team is going to be a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination, I don't think. But I, I just ended up feeling like this is a safer pick. Johnny Hurricane brings up a good point in chat. He says that when you picked Anthem last year, all the vibes were positive on Anthem. That's true. All it, the previews was, were positive. Yep. And you just never know. <laughs> you just really never freaking know. Yep. It wasn't until we got that first demo yeah. where it was like, oh. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Look, I wouldn't be surprised at all if The Last of Us Part Two outscored Cyberpunk. Do I mm-hmm. think it, it's probably going to deserve it? Probably not. Probably not, yeah. <laughs> but I could see where it would end up with a higher mm-hmm. aggregate review score. Um, you're going to have to have some... I definitely picked a few things on my team in with a, with the uh, the bump in mind. Okay. Yeah, think, it's trying, smart. Trying to outthink the reviewers more than think what, how good the game's going to be in and of itself. Yeah. I mean, imagine the, the stones you will have to have 
to give The Last of Us Part Two like an eight. An eight. Yeah. <laughs> hope you hope you like death threats. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Though. I mean, I hate it's sure. it's really sad that that's something that you have to consider. But when we're doing this draft, that is something that you have to consider. Mm-hmm. That people will legitimately be scared to give this game a bad review score. And I don't think it affects people like us who have been doing it a long time. But if you look at Metacritic, like 95% of the sites that make up the, the Metacritic score are these are little dinky little fan d- sites. Yeah, yeah, and they're going to love this shit. And they will love they, it. Yeah. And they're, look, they're either going to they're gonna acquiesce and say it's awesome, and maybe it is, mm-hmm. or they're just going to bomb it for clicks. Mm-hmm. That's typically how those sites operate. I, mean, I think it's going to be more the former yeah. than the latter. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I mean, look, I I will watch these cutscenes all day. Yeah, but uh-huh. like uh, my concern is like, you know, I didn't think the when first the rubber game, hits the road. I think the first game was very fun to play. Yeah, I agree. And, I didn't uh, think it was that fun either. I mean, I think that what they've shown of this one looks way better. Yeah, uh, but we'll see what happens. Like way better. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Like we'll the combat looks like a major step up. So yeah, I totally get. I think either Vince, of these games can be picked up. Vincent makes a good point in fantasy football. Some QBs are better because you get flagged if you touch them. <laughs> That's true. I think I think this is the uh, – um, Is uh, this a Tom this Brady? This is the Tom Brady. <laughs> this is the Tom Brady of the, of the draft here. Oh, I wish Sam were here. Neil, Neil, <laughs> Neil Druckmann is the Tom Brady <laughs> of, of the game video reviewing. game industry. There you go. All right. Don't fuck with the Neil, people. <laughs> He'll eat you alive. Oh, Okay. It, it might be fun, actually, if, like, people start to try to guess. Yes, Kalfa. Alpha. Try to guess. Casey Alpha, I guess it is. Yeah, Casey Alpha. Thank you, man, for all those subs. You rocketh. Uh, okay, it's time for my second pick. It might be fun if we start asking people to predict what they think we're going to pick. Yeah. Um, just see if they can guess it. Mm-hmm. Um, very quickly, guys. Start, like, put our name and then what you think our next pick's going to be in the chat. And it'll be interesting to see if you guys get it right. Um, if we start that now, obviously for this pick, it's not going to work. But for the rest of the draft, it could be pretty fun. Uh, so they're, they're guessing. Okay. Final Fantasy VII RE3 are two of the guesses. Two Final Fantasy VII guesses. Three. Let's go four. Doom. Doom. <laughs> Football Manager 2021. Nope. <laughs> Final Fantasy VII seems to be the most popular pick. Do you think mm. that that's what should be selected here? Um, no. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> and it's not what I picked. <laughs> this might surprise some people, actually. Uh, my second pick is Ghost of Tsushima. Um, there's a there's a multitude of reasons why I selected this set. And it is funny to me that like your top two picks are my top two games. The ones that you want to play the yeah, most? Those are the ones I want to play the most. <laughs> but they're also the ones that I don't really trust. Really? Like I just don't know what Ghost of Tsushima... I mean, I'm super excited about Ghost of Tsushima. Would I be shocked if it ended up with like eights? Not really, but I just we don't know enough about it. Yet. I would be surprised if it ended up with like a mid to low eight. I would yeah. say that. I mean, I mean, certainly this is the year I am probably rooting the hardest for games on your team right. to be good <laughs> because you're picking my favorite games. <laughs> well, so. Were you were you getting salty at all over Not my picks? Really. No, because I'm I go Tsushima. I just I'm you know both of those games. I'm just a little concerned. Yeah, maybe because I, I'm so excited about them that I'm like. Maybe I don't have any objectivity. Maybe I'm not like, missing the forest for the trees on them. But. I think it's safe. I mean, every game I've ever played by Sucker Punch, I, mean, both, I have loved. Yeah, I mean, they're both going to be better than Anthem. So it's not, it, <laughs> I want Anthem, to know. Anthem really skews, a low bar. Anthem really skews the bar for failure. <laughs> it on, really on does. League, so. <laughs> Look, it's Sucker Punch. Sucker Punch has never even made a mediocre game. In fact, I would argue pretty much everything it's done, although it did kind of get in an infamous rut there for a little bit. Yeah. 
But I would argue every one of its IPs has been something unique and fun and creative. Mm-hmm. Um, I also feel like if you look back like this past year, like I didn't think Sekiro would do as well as it did mm-hmm. uh, because it was kind of kind of based on you know historical stuff, which I think in the past probably would have been to a game's detriment, but I don't think it is anymore. I feel like now, especially that we have a lot of older people who are evaluating games like us, I think they appreciate stuff that does things a little more classy um, than your typical kind of run-and-gun action-adventure game. This, to me, is like one of the classiest games I've ever seen. Um, it it appears to be extremely historically accurate. There's no like weird like mystical stuff mm-hmm. in the game. I mean, it's definitely down-to-earth. Uh, there's a lot of armor and and weaponry in this that did not exist at the time oh, okay. they set this game. That did exist later, but like they we, that it. we would recognize as kind of tradition, like classic samurai stuff. So they fudged it a little. They're fudging bit. it a little. It's, it's it's like setting something in the Dark Ages and putting all the knights in plate armor. Oh, okay. You know? Like they didn't have that armor until much later, but like we think of them as looking like like King Arthur, like looking like that. So that's sort of what you what you do. Gotcha. To kind of, communicate that visual trope. That I, I just feel like games like, like this I, I that aren't fantasy-based, that aren't sci-fi-based, they feel... It yeah. feels to me like people are gravitating towards these games. Yeah. No, I'm days. super down with the fact that I'm never going to fight an ogre in right. this game. Yeah, or someone's going to be casting some fireball spell at you. None of that. It's yeah. all about swordplay. So, I have faith in the developer. I have faith in the idea. I have faith in what I've seen of it so far, which makes it my second pick for the 2020 mm-hmm. draft. You're up, man. All right. My second pick is uh, maybe a little off uh, off the rails here, but uh, I haven't. This is another bet that the review community is just going to love it, and it's Half Life Alex. No, I regret. As soon as you, I regretted picking Ghost of Tsushima as soon as you picked this game I because think, this game yeah. is going to get tens across yes, the board because Half Life. Well, it's back. It's going to revolutionize how people think of VR. It's, it's not even be- just that, though, Matt. It's also the fact that this is the savior of VR. Mm-hmm. So all the fan sites we were talking about earlier, all those VR fan sites, this their their existence kind of depends yep. upon this game. So I don't see anyone from those sites going into evaluating this game with any sort of negative intentions, like. I think they're going to do their best to try to find the positives in the game. And truth be told, it looks like they're not going to have to look all that hard. Mm. The game looks freaking awesome. I am really excited for it. I don't know why I'm selling this game for you. <laughs> but it does show you that it's it's a great pick. I, I mean, I would, would have picked Ghost of Tsushima, but that was closer to my fourth pick. Probably. Okay. I was a little surprised you went for it that soon, but uh, I don't know. It's, you can't go wrong with a Sony exclusive. No. It's, it, it's the one thing. That has been constant (laughs) and consistent since we started doing this draft. Mm -hmm. Is if you have a PlayStation first-party game, it's going to score high. That's pretty much just the way it is. So, and that's a testament to Sony's, you know, QA and its standards as far as its first-party software is concerned. But, uh, but Half-Life Alex is like all an entire medium is kind of hinging on the game. Mm And you've got that plus the fact that Half Life's coming back after all this time, and that'll that'll t- like, that'll tick the boxes for the people who don't care about the VR angle yeah. all that much. That just care about the Half Life angle of it. So yeah, it's it will probably be the highest scored game of the year. Might be. It's I, I don't see a downside to this one because I mean the other problem too is that the bar for VR games is pretty low. So 
if you're if you're like us and when you evaluate games you're comparing it against other games on that same platform it's going to destroy everything mm-hmm. it's like a real game which are just that is hard to come by in vr so i think that's a, a great pick i was jealous of it and i was like why why didn't I look at it that way when I looked at it on my list? I was I was shocked you didn't pick that. We should have changed it. We should have traded. Sounds like you no, want to guess this. I don't want to trade it. Oh, okay. I think I think I get the better pick on this one. Okay. But uh, I think you do too, actually. I was just surprised because you were you're a bigger believer in Half Life Alex than I am. Yeah. But I also know reviewers. Yep. So I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be fire. So. <laughs> As the kids say, yes. it's gonna be lit lit litty. <laughs> anyway. Uh, it's time for my third pick, and this was me getting a little retribution from last year when I got burned. Mm-hmm. Um, and my third pick in the 2020 draft is Animal Crossing: New Horizons. We know this is coming now. It is definitely coming. It almost came last year when I drafted it the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I drafted it again. <laughs> it's like I went out on a limb for it last year. I'm not going to get burned and let somebody else get it this year. It's like I already got burned on it once. So. Um, I went back and I did look at old Metacritic scores for Animal Crossing. Most of them are 8.6 or higher. There have been a couple, though, that have gotten kind of... Well, one of them was like that Amiibo game. Yeah. Which doesn't count. Yeah, I don't think that's a problem. But the Wii game, I think its aggregate is at like 6 point something. there, yeah? yeah. Hmm. So there is a possibility that... It could do poorly. I think sort that's of, highly I, unlikely. I think Nintendo's in kind of a groove right now. I, I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna drop the ball on this one. And I the mean, lo- it, does, it doesn't seem very interesting to me. But like yeah. I've been done with Animal Crossing for ten seven right. years. So yeah. Uh, and the last one, its score ended up being an eight point eight. So that's, yeah, it's good uh, for third pick. I'll take it. Uh, so my pick, uh, we're gonna do we're gonna do a little trade off there. Uh, I'm going for Doom Eternal. Yeah, so that was another game that I chose last year. The game that screwed you over last year may screw you over again this year. It may, actually. So I have a question. Mm -hmm. When I picked Assassin's Creed, Animal Crossing Switch, did that ping you? No. Oh, yeah, there's another game that Shane drafted last year that got delayed. No, Doom Doom was my third pick if you didn't didn't change. Basically, my my picks were going to be Last of Us, Half-Life, Doom, and Ghost of Tsushima. Those Those are my first four. All right. And I didn't have to adjust until the fourth because you were yeah. going to pick So, wait, Cyberpunk wasn't even in your top four. Well, I knew I wasn't going to get it. Oh, okay. I knew you were going to pick it Gotcha, first. gotcha. Okay. I didn't even bother, like, putting it on the list. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he's... It's gone, yeah. Like, you'd have to be, you know... I think there's a chance that Last of Us 2 ends up being the better uh, just by a, a you know, point, point, point one, point two right. percentage point. But, like, you'd have to be nuts not to pick Cyberpunk. Yeah. It was hard not to. <laughs> Watching it delayed. Everybody right now watching this is like, no, every game Shane picks yeah. is going to be delayed. I mean, I do think it will be delayed, but I don't think it's going to be delayed out of this year. Yeah, it may make it in Q4 or something like that. At least I hope to God that's the worst case scenario. We'll I, think it, I think it might slip to like August. Ah. Okay, well, let's talk about Doom Eternal, your pick. Um, the first, you know, the 2016 Doom is phenomenal. Uh, it's just like pure fun. Um, yeah. People I know who don't even like shooters love that game. Like, uh, also like a huge number of women I know love that game. Really? That's one of their favorite. Like, they, even though they don't like shooters, they love Doom. They love wow! Doom. I'm really surprised to hear um, that. It was one of the first things I. Noticed. While I'm watching, heads get ripped off and like <laughs> skulls get stomped. Girls like killing shit, just same as we. Yeah, do. I guess they do. Um, and like, this just looks like more 
and uh, new trailer out today, faster by the way, and crazier. And uh, you know, I just I I can't see this thing not reviewing real well. Yeah. Um. It's, yeah. The last one had finished with what an eight point eight, I think, up there. Yeah. And I feel like this will do just as well, or maybe better. Yeah. Um. Especially now that it doesn't have like mediocre multiplayer holding it back. Yep. So uh, I feel like I feel like I mean I thought this was a great pick for you last year until yeah. they delayed it. I really didn't see. That I still coming. can't understand it, but I mean, <laughs> whatever. Got to do what you got to do. Yeah. But, uh, works works out for me. Yep. Because now I got it. <laughs> now you got it. That's exactly right. Uh, yeah, I agree, and I think I do think too that the multiplayer in the last game it wasn't bad. It was just very forgettable. Yeah. And this year, this game they did all the multiplayer in house. In the first game, they farmed it out to some other studio. This time they did it all in house. Mm-hmm. The hopes are that I think that's that going to make a big difference. It, it should, yeah, which ultimately should help boost its score for both value and uh, content. So, good pick there. Um, good and safe pick. Like worst case scenario, that game gets like an A five, mm-hmm. um, and that's what you want right there in that three hole. All right, my next pick. I actually cribbed one from you for this one. Yeah, I think this has been on two of my previous. Has games. it? I think. I think at least. Did you draft it two years? Yeah, I think so. Interesting. Uh, my fourth pick is Dreams. Hmm. Um, I surprised myself with this pick because last year at the draft it wasn't even on my radar, mm-hmm. and then you picked it, and I was like, "Oh, that's a genius pick," because everything Media Molecule does gets a, an insanely high review score. Uh, They ended up going into beta last year, but never did release it. Now it's coming out here in the early part of 2020. Um, I did read, like, a couple people, like, reviewed the beta and gave it, like, perfect scores. Mm -hmm. You know, that doesn't mean that much. But the fact that a couple people at least had played the game extensively and thought it was excellent helped me. And I think that's honestly why it ended up at four instead of, like, eight. Another part of that was that I didn't think it would make it past you for another two picks, that was really my big concern mm-hmm. was I knew that you had drafted it the year before and I realized what I did with AC Switch. I was like, oh, I don't want to lose this. I've invested a lot in this game. And then I extrapolated that out onto you <laughs> with Dreams. And I was like, oh, maybe Matt's going to look at it the same way. And he's going to be like, oh, I had Dreams last year. I'm not going to lose out on it this year. So I picked it a little bit earlier than I wanted to uh, because, again, a big part of fantasy sports, it's not just – picking the best game or player that's there it's being smart about knowing your opponent and what you think they are they may or may not pick so that you can get games mm-hmm. higher that you may not have been able to get yeah, otherwise I, would, I had this more around six or seven okay um because i i do think it'll review well i'm just not sure it, it could go it's so this it's a game like this is so variable in terms of how you experience it and how you react to it so yeah. it, it just the more and more as time went on, especially in the post beta after playing the the early access stuff, like I just it ended up being feeling I mean a lot of the stuff in this is in it is brilliant, but it feels risky somehow to me in terms of like cause not even just like risky in the sense of like, oh, people won't like it, but it's like in the the question of like will the people assigned to review this like, you know, quote unquote get it? Yeah. You, know, you just never know. So well the I, good news is they did have that big beta and it's been yeah. going on for quite a while. So when it launches, there's gonna be a ton of content sitting there waiting for yeah. people to I experience. I think that's the key. And some of it has been amazing. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. Every time I have checked out Dreams, I've been blown away by what people are creating with it. Yeah, people are making crazy stuff in this thing, and it's exactly what they said it was gonna be. Yeah. Basically. So it took a long time to get here, but it's they did it. finally here. They finally completed it and it's gonna be out soon. Uh, I feel pretty good about that pick at yeah. number four. All right, what's your pick for four? 
Um, so my pick for uh, four is finally you you, you can relax, chat. Final Fantasy VII remake. Um, this is kind of self-explanatory. It is uh, <laughs> yeah. it is Final Fantasy VII, which I think is an intensely mediocre game, but um, but it's not the same and game, in, and in, it's not the same game, <laughs> and an entire generation of people who were children when it came out think it's good. So. Um, and they're going to want, you're right in that nostalgia zone. They're going to want to play this thing. You want to play this thing with production value and all the music's done up. I mean, it's certainly, I don't think they could do anything better with it right now. Well, you were also talking earlier about bumps. And there's a And yeah, how this you is consider bump. bumps throughout your draft. I have a feeling this might be I one think, of the games. I think this might be the most overrated game of the year <laughs> already. Uh, in terms of like, not in terms of like how people like it, in terms of like actual rating numbers, yeah, like yeah. Like review scores. I think it might be the most bumped of the year. Um, it's not higher on my list because because it's not the same. Because they are changing it and putting that kind of action oriented combat in it. I was. A, that's I'm why a I stayed little, away. It's a, it's a little shaky because there's a chance that someone who loved the original game is going to play this and feel like it's not what they wanted. Believe me, so I that's, looked. That's at kind this. of my only yeah. caveat on this is like that's why it's the eighth game picked mm-hmm. because I looked at this. It's just like when we ask people, "What do you think I'm going to pick next?" The answer was Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. It's the I looked at it with every pick, and like you just said, I settled in on the fact that people may reject this game mm-hmm. if. They start playing it, and they're like, this isn't Final Fantasy VII yeah. to me. There could be huge fan backlash. I mean, I don't know. The review backlash, it, you know, it depends when it ends. Yeah. Like, how much That's game a big do you part actually of it get? Too. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's also just, it's got too much cultural cachet to not be picked by now. Yeah. The, you know, this, was, this was the time. You know, since Ghost of Tsushima was gone, Final Fantasy VII gets forth. Yeah. Basically. Like I said, I thought about it with every pick leading up to this one and I just couldn't pull the trigger on it. Yeah, that was that was this is probably the pick that I put where it was the most because I didn't want you to get it. Okay. I figured you would do that next. It probably would have been. Yeah. I cuz I had passed on it already 3 times. Mm-hmm. And had found rationalizations. I was stunned when you picked Dreams cuz really? I thought, thought you were going to pick Final Fantasy 7. Oh, right? okay. I thought that was the next pick. I'm like, "Oh, I guess I do get that." I think Dreams is going to score higher than Final Fantasy 7. I think there's VII. a good chance. Yeah. yeah. I think it is. Um Next up, my fifth pick, and this is another one where I was like, oh, no, I'm not letting that thing get away. Coming coming back for more. Yep, and that is Ori and the Will of the Wisps. It does have a release date. It does. It is coming out this year. It it's is supposed finally to. happening. This is another game that I picked last year that got delayed out of the year and cost me the season. Uh, I was not going to let Matt get the 8.8 or 9 out of this game that I had opined for last year. It may not score that high. Um, but when you get to your fifth pick, if it's an 8.5 or higher, you're usually pretty happy with that. In fact, last year I would have killed for that at this spot. So <laughs> uh, I'm pretty excited about this game. Uh, the first one scored like a 9.1 or something mm-hmm. like that on Metacritic. Uh, so even if this one isn't as good and it takes a slight step back, I'll still be okay with it in the five hole. Um, they haven't shown a lot of this game. I'm st- I'll be honest. I'm still a little nervous about it. Um, I think it, I think it'll make it. Yeah. I was pretty. I remember I was pretty sure it wasn't going to make it yesterday, last year. Yeah, you were, and you were like, "Well, it's been four years." I'm like, mm, "Yeah, no." I think you had some insider information on that. That one, was though. later. I, yeah. I ran into someone who was working on it later on, and they kind of confirmed. I'm, I'm like, so, and like they were sort of like, mm, "I wouldn't expect it." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, I'm glad." Much to my chagrin. So. Uh, if you guys haven't played the first Ori, like you can probably get it for five bucks. Go play it. It's a, an amazing yeah, game. So that's the other part of it too. Is that especially now they patched the thing where you couldn't get 100 percent completion. 
Right, right. In the definitive edition. <laughs> it's an amazing game. Really emotional game mm-hmm. as well. Um, I'm not counting on anything less than this. And obviously, they've given them plenty of time to make a sequel that's even yeah. better. Uh, this is just a side-scrolling indie-ish game, and they've had like five years to make it. So I have high hopes for this game. I'm excited for it. I think it's going to score well. So I'm pretty pleased with getting it at number five. Okay, so my number five is uh, now we're starting to get into the uh, this is where it gets more, dicey. Experiment, more experimental categories. Yep, uh, Dying Light Two. Yeah, um, this is very much leaning on my faith in Chris Avalone to craft something that is unlike anything else in the kind of subgenre, the open world zombie game. Um, I think the demo at E3 supports that if they can keep that going on a macro scale, and that wasn't just like a vertical slice that doesn't turn out to be very representative of the whole game. Um, I'm also kind of leaning on the idea that uh, the fact that like the first game was a surprise addiction for me. Like I played for the a first lot game of people. for like hundred hours yeah. and I didn't I didn't even like it that much early on and I was eventually I just kept playing. I was like, I can't stop playing this and I don't know why. It and took so, me a while to warm up to that game too. Yeah. Once you get the grappling hook, it was like yep, oh that's when it oh, changes. That's yeah. what this is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um so I think this one's going to be good. I think it'll review well as long as they can kind of come through on what they said they were going to do. And considering how well they did the first time, uh, if they just do that but better and more and then add a story that's worth a damn, like how in the world can you go wrong? My concern is it doesn't come out this year. That's true. That's All we've seen possible. so far is like a 15-minute gameplay in one trailer. Yeah. But so I, there's not I think a there's lot a, out there. I think there's a good shot, though. Well, I'll say this. I mean, I saw a demo at E3 that blew my freaking mind. So and, and one <laughs> of the and I think also one of the reasons we may not have seen a whole bunch is I think this might be next gen. Oh, they might have slipped it to next gen focus. Interesting. Hmm. Is that good or bad for you? I think it's good because it feels like it'd be a pretty good early launch window game. Yeah, I'm just saying we'll as far see. as like it coming out this year and mm-hmm. not being pushed. Do you think that's a good thing for that? Yeah, I think I think it'll be I think it'll be there. Okay. Um, I mean, I hedge my bets on a couple other things. If it falls out, it's not the end of the Look, world. here's where the draft starts to get dicey. Like, for me, after my fifth pick, that's one where I started taking a lot longer to make picks. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, that's where there weren't a lot of givens as far as stuff that's coming out. Like, all the big games, quote-unquote, from here on out, none of them are, like, set in stone that they're absolutely going to come out this year. So Mm -hmm. I ended up taking some risks, but also almost overcompensating and playing extremely safe. I saw a comment in chat. They're like, oh, these picks are safe so far. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because I've been burned like the last three years in a row. So I have played it safe, but I think that's also a function of something that you said earlier, which is we don't know a lot about the end of the year mm-hmm. because there are these new platforms coming and they haven't really divulged a lot about what games are coming. So we're kind of really just picking games from half a year, yeah, which is kind of weird. But mm-hmm. it is what it is. It's 2020. Um, okay, so my next pick is Halo Infinite. I, uh, mm-hmm. I almost picked Halo Infinite in the last round instead of Ori and the Will of the Wisp, to be honest with you. Hmm. Um, And I did a lot of research in between the two games uh, to try to figure out which one to pick first. I just ended up feeling more comfortable that Ori would get an 8.5 or higher. If you hadn't picked Ori, I would have probably picked that next. Okay. And the other thing, too... that was probably a wise move. Well, the other thing, too, is that I knew you weren't going to take Halo Infinite. No. And honestly, like, that was another thing, too. I was... 
I was quarreling in my mind if I should just leave Halo Infinite for the 10th pick because I didn't know mm. how long you were going to let it go. I would never have picked it. You wouldn't have picked it at all. I don't trust this okay. game at all. I was trying to figure that out. Like I was like, okay, like where is the line for Matt on this game? I know like, not he, that I think it's going to be bad, but yeah. I don't think it's going to. Rev- I don't know if it's going to review well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I just I knew that you weren't excited for it, mm-hmm. so I was like, I might be able to get away with getting this in the 10th spot. But then I started saying, okay, if I don't take Halo Infinite, what's left? Mm-hmm. And I started looking at the games that were left, and I was well, like... Especially in terms of games we know will be out this year, no doubt. That was no, the yeah. cl- that was exactly what I was getting to. That was the clincher. I was like, Halo Infinite is coming out. Yeah. There's no way they can release Series X without Halo Infinite. I'm like... Cut to September. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Halo Infinite launching January 13th, 2021. I'm, just, I'm mad I'm just telling you how I felt at the time. Yeah. That's, just, <laughs> that's what was going through my mind. I'm like, they can't release Series X without Halo Infinite. So once I kind of came across that, I was like, all right, that's it. And it set my pick in stone. So Halo Infinite at number six. It is a risky pick, um, but I do feel like... It's going to get at least a 7.5. Yeah, it's, it's better than a zero. And it's definitely coming out. So, again, I definitely erred on the side of caution this time. All right, what's your sixth pick, Matt? Uh, sixth pick is Resident Evil 3 Remake. Okay. Um, another definitely coming out game. Yep. Um, and just like a, a little, I'm, I'm a little shaky on this one just in the sense that Resident Evil 3 is not as good as Resident Evil 2. That's why you got it at the sixth pick, though. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, Resident Evil 2, to I took that first, at what, first second pick. pick? Was that I my think first? That was your first pick. Yeah. Um, and uh, after Anthem. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That turned out to be the best pick of the whole <laughs> yeah, year. It did, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so, but I also wonder, like, you know, it might get a bump from, like, if the multiplayer is any, any good, because I don't think that multiplayer would, would fly solo, but, like, it's I'm part all of the sorts of scared about this game. It's in the context of the draft, I was right. scared of this game because, one, I know RE3 short. Mm-hmm. And I, look, I, I was impressed with what they did with RE2, but there's only so much you can do. I'm just hoping that like they can make the ne- like, in the same way they improved the Mr. X stuff in two, they can make the Nemesis stuff really cool and dynamic and sort of what you always imagined it should be in the, from the original game. If they can make that happen, I think it's going to score real well. I think they will. The other so. X, I think they will, and I think it will score well. Um, the other X factor to me is the multiplayer. I do not expect it to be amazing. No. So. My the X factor for me was how much are critics going to take off the score because they don't like the multiplayer, right. or will they consider the multiplayer just sort of a bonus? Right, and like it doesn't hurt the score; it's nice to have it, but that's not why you're buying it. Right, kind of so it just yeah. depends which way they break on that. It just, like I said when we started this, what's most likely to happen? That's what I was looking at with every pick here, and I could not find a what was most likely to happen with Resident Evil mm-hmm. Three. I just couldn't. I I could not come to a consensus in my mind and I probably would have taken it next because at this point you know we're in the sixth round so but I was thinking about RE3 several picks ago and every time I was just like I can't do it I can't Mm. pull the trigger on it because there's too many too much a die roll yeah and uh, but at six that's fine like you're willing to take some risks there so good pick there um time for my seventh pick Mm -hmm. this is probably the pick that I wish I got yeah I was surprised you didn't uh, I probably, but I also like it's just this mid section where like I'm. I think this might be better than that. I don't know. Like, yeah, you know, who knows? It's and hard. It gets really hard right here. Well, it's also because this is really hard. Yeah. And I don't know how the reviewer is going to react to that. <laughs> That's a good question. That's a good point. Uh, my pick is Neo Two. People may forget the first Neo. Its Metacritic average is nine point one. Yeah, extremely well. So like. 
like this didn't even make it into like right now we're working on our top 20 most anticipated games of 2020 it should be up here in the next couple days a lot of work but uh it wasn't even in that list Hmm. and so like a lot of like when i would do quick reference for this draft i would go and look at the list of 20 because obviously you're like okay these are the games that we think people are most excited about doesn't mean they're going to score the best but they're most excited about Mm -hmm. And this wasn't even on the list. So once I we started getting to like these rounds where the games were starting to dwindle on that list of 20, I started looking at my other ones, and I was like, PlayStation 4 exclusives always do well. So let me go look at the PlayStation 4 exclusive. Oh, there's Neo 2. <laughs> I have no interest in playing this game whatsoever. I played the beta, and it was the hardest game I've ever played in my life. I, I think literally the most difficult game I've ever played. You're right. It, there could be backlash over that, but the first game was hard as nails too, mm-hmm. and it didn't hurt it one bit. I think at this point we figured out that at every outlet there's a journalist that they put on these games. They yeah. like Sekiro, they like Dark Souls, they like Bloodborne. They put them on this, and they don't care that the difficulty is insane. They like it. It's what they want. It's what they want. So, um, look to get the sequel to a game that scored over a nine in the seventh round. I'll take it all day, every day. Hmm. Absolutely. All right, your seventh pick, Matt. My seventh pick is Microsoft Flight Simulator. A very, very smart pick. Um, I mean, a little. I I think you're riding on the visuals on this one. Oh yeah. And kind well, of. Well, like, I mean, I'm hoping. I'm I'm leaning very hard on the idea that the reviewers will review this for what it is. Oh, for sure. So, They're not going to be like there aren't any RPG right. elements or anything. Or like, like there's that. no dog fighting. You yeah. It's boring. You guys yeah. Like, it was a I mean, that's simulator. what it is. It's yeah, a flight, it's flight simulator. Yeah. Oh, I think that's a great pick, man. Uh, you might have been able to get get it a pick or two later. Mm-hmm. It was um, so when I do these drafts, typically I have a list of stuff that I'm kind of targeting, and then as the draft goes on, at the bottom of those lists, I'll start at, at that list. I'll start adding games like that I come across. And I'm like, oh, that's a good pick, and this was the first game that I added to the end of my list as, oh, if Matt isn't on this, I'm going to jump on it. Mm-hmm. So you might have been able to get it a pick or two later, but when you're in the seventh round, does it really matter? No, <laughs> it doesn't. So I think that's a good pick there. <laughs> and it's definitely coming out. Yes, it is coming. Yep, which, again, is really, really important in this. All right, my next pick. And this is also a game I really have no interest in playing whatsoever. Yeah. But I have a feeling it's going to score really high. Right, right. This wasn't even on my radar. Yep, and all. that is Spelunky 2. Uh, Spelunk, the first Spelunky beloved game. I would argue one of the first real, like, indie breakout smash hits. Um, I have, I do not enjoy Spelunky at all. I know, I respect that a lot of people do. Uh, I know Brent, the guy who built Sifted, is mm-hmm. a big Spelunky fan. So is his wife. Um, but all I really care about is what's the game going to score. And the first Spelunky came in a little bit below a nine, I think. Um, and I don't expect this to score as high because it's kind of for indie games. It seems like once the cat's out of the bag. Rarely does the sequel score higher. Mm-hmm. It just seems that way with indie games. Console games, like big-budget console games, no. Like, the second game almost always sells better and reviews better. But with indie stuff, it doesn't really work that way. I think a lot of times it's because indie games, a lot, most of the time, are built on a concept. Mm-hmm. Like, a unique concept that a big-budget game isn't going to even try because it's too risky. Well, they can do it in indie games. But then the problem becomes okay, you have the gimmick now for the game, what do you do with the sequel? You can't get rid of the gimmick because it's what you build it on. Uh, So you have to evolve it in some meaningful way, and that's really hard. I think there's definitely an element of, like, some of these indie games become 
you know, review darlings specifically because of the surprise factor. Yeah. Like, oh, look at, look at this thing. Look what they did. Yep. And then when you do a sequel, you do it maybe bigger and better and the execution's better, which to me is more important. But, like... It doesn't have that same it impact. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't have the same surprise factor. It doesn't have the same, like, oh, wow, look at this. It's more like, oh, yeah, this. Oh, there's more of that now. More of this. Yeah. yeah. And this this sequel has also been a long time coming, man. Yeah. It's, it's like five years since the yeah. first Spelunky came but out. But I also, I can't see this getting less than, like, eights. I can't either. And so at an eight, I'll take yeah. it, man. Like, I'll totally take that there. All right, what's your eighth pick? My eighth pick is because every year I have to have at least one weird PC exclusive. <laughs> Uh, Crusader Kings 3. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Crusader Kings 2 is one of the greatest grand strategy games ever made. Yeah. Uh, it's legendary. Ridiculous amount of content, like ridiculous amount of, of detail. Like you're choosing, you're not just choosing where the armies go and what, what the diplomacy is. You're choosing the, your dynasty and whether your son marries this princess or whether they, and like then they have certain offspring and those offspring are the people you have to work with as time goes on and they become the <laughs> new kings and sometimes you can end up with idiots as your yeah. you know, you're you're dealing with kind of the human factor in a way that almost none of these games ever cover and then there's been tons of, of DLC and they've expanded out from just Europe you can go almost all over the eastern hemisphere at this point if you get all the DLC which is a lot of money yeah um but Crusader Kings 3 has been you know highly anticipated it's it's uh, got a pedigree that is pretty much second to none in this in the genre and uh and this one I have confidence in scoring well not just because of of that but also because it's a PC exclusive in a very specific PC centric genre, which means the people who review it are chosen for that. Oh yeah, so absolutely. The people who review this game are going to yeah. They're not putting some yeah. green associate editor yeah, on. They're going to know what this is. They're going to know whether it's yeah. good. They're going to know what. It, so I think, and I think it's uh, it's sort of my my little like uh, weird choice. It's, it's, I, I I always draft I don't think one, it's that weird. I always draft one one offbeat kind of like oh this thing Shane would never even think about this. I never would have drafted so. this. Uh, but the reason I never would have drafted it is because there is, like, very little information about this mm. game. Like, there, there is one trailer. And I know it's scheduled for 2020, but I could not find a hard release date for it. Uh, it seems to be being created by a small-ish studio, mm-hmm. uh, which are generally more susceptible to delays. Um, it just seemed too risky for me. And you'll start seeing, like, my last few picks, I really start playing it safe because I wanted to get a little mm. risky with my alternates. Um, and this, at this point in the draft, and like we'll talk after, about that because we will. Questions. We will. Okay. So, <laughs> Crusader Kings. I mean, if you're a fan of Civ, I mean, you see yeah. how Civ scores every time. And the, the last Crusader Kings was pretty much the same yeah. quality. I mean, I gave Crusader Kings two and a bunch of the DLC to one of my friends who's a big historical, he's a history major. He's big, you know, he just he loves all this stuff. And I sh- kind of showed him like, this is how this works, and, this, and he goes. Oh no! Like, he, <laughs> he's like he my life. So yeah, he's, he's like, oh no! They made it. They made the game in my head. I'm screwed. Like, so uh, that's yeah. great. It's a it's a really good. If you haven't played Crusader Kings two and you like kind of historical weird stuff and sort of a mild eugenics angle, yeah. um, pick it up on a Steam sale when it's like cheap with some DLC. It's it's really good. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good pick there, even though I would have never made the pick. You're right. It wasn't even on my radar. It was not on my little list at mm-hmm. the end of my list as some of the other games have been. Uh, my next your, pick. Your next pick is the thing I have the biggest problem with on your okay. entire team. Okay, let me let me provide some context for I my I was next surprised pick. by this. Yeah. So my next pick, um, I did not – I was not a part of the news cycle this morning. I just had so much pre-production to do for this show that I was not mm-hmm. looking at the news or anything. So when I made this pick, I did not know 
that a huge development had literally just happened like five minutes earlier. Mm -hmm. I had no clue at all. So when I texted my pick to you and you were like, eh, kind of risky, I was like, what are you talking about? It's a bold move considering this. Yeah. And then I went and looked at it. I was like, (laughs) my eyes popped out of my head. I was like, what the hell? So my pick is Marvel's Avengers. And literally five minutes before I made the pick, real close. It was delayed. And I just had not looked at the news in the morning because I had too much stuff to do for this episode. And so I went and looked. The good news is it's September 4th. Mm-hmm. There's still kind of a whole quarter of wiggle room there. Yeah. But this makes me very, very nervous I, now. I have a mild suspicion it could slip to 2021. Really? My, my other-ish thing is, like, I think this game's in trouble. Like, I think there's they. I think they're in anthem territory with this i don't think they quite know what it needs to be they don't quite know i don't think it's i mean it's quite, been delayed twice that's a huge yeah. red flag i don't think it's gonna be quite polished enough to kind of pass for what it needs to be um and i don't like to say that because i really want to play it i you know i i, I have a large i have a lot of tolerance for jank and nonsense when it comes to licenses that i enjoy avengers would definitely be you know I, the, the fact that there have been no avengers games at all pretty much except for ultimate alliance 3 is bizarre it's insane it's so weird it's just sitting there it's waiting just, to make money it's just i am i am <laughs> so, so amazed at how well disney has handled like all these elements of these major massive movie franchises like star wars and and marvel cinematic universe except in the game space yeah. like it's taken them forever to get their act together they need things. to hire somebody they to, do yeah for sure. so i'm just worried about this game uh, even if it does make it in september uh i'm just worried that it's going to be like this weird lackluster bleh. I mean, it um, might be better if it actually does get delayed and I can use one of my alternates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would kind of be my hope at this point for if, if with that. But I don't know. I, I, look, I'm not as down on it as you are. Like, I based upon what I've seen of the game being played with my own two eyes, it looks like it's a 7.5 to it 8. It looks fine. But I, I just I have a feeling that, like, I, because of the pedigree of it, and the, the 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 quality of the movies and sort of like what we've been you know the fact that we've been, you know we've been waiting a long time for this I could yeah. see even though I it does look more like a seven seven point five to me I could see it getting sixes six point five I'll, I'll say this too it's like a Crystal Dynamics have never has never made a game that bad that's true ever so part of it is the development developer pedigree the mm-hmm. other part of it is that I know somebody really well that's working on the game and granted he's incentivized to tell me that the game is like the bee's knees. But I've known the guy for, like, 15 years, and, like, he can level with me, uh, at least to the point where, like, if he was concerned about the project, he'd, like, cock an eyebrow an eyebrow or something. Mm-hmm. And I got nothing like that from him. In fact, he was very disappointed, and he felt like the game wasn't being represented as well as it should be in the press. Mm-hmm. Not by the press, but just the way it was being received and the way that they had kind of crafted the marketing plan for the game. He felt like it was kind of getting short-shrifted. So um, it's my ninth pick. If it gets a 7.5, that's a winner for me at at, at 9. And mm-hmm. we have two alternates, so I started to get a little cheeky here at the end, but I don't I don't I don't feel bad about that pick right now. <laughs> yeah. We'll see as like the months start to wear on and we start hearing more rumblings about its development, but right now I'm okay with it. So what's your ninth pick? My ninth pick is Psychonauts 2. Double fine. Um, another game that, yeah, I don't, I mean, I think this will be this year, but it's double fine, so you never quite tell. It's supposed um, to be this year. It's supposed to be this yeah. year. And uh, they're owned by a company now. Yes. Which may actually true. 
motivate them to get their stuff out. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I saw this at E3, and I am a backer of it as well on Fig. Uh, and I really liked what I saw. It was very tight and polished and felt like Psychonauts. And uh, if they do get it out this year, I think this is a pretty guaranteed eight or nine. Yep. My question is the new generation mm-hmm. of critics. Do they like it? Um, I think it's hard to not like it. It really is. It's it's, it's such but a But it's a platformer. Game. Yeah. And it seems like the new generation, that is not a genre that's really resonating with them. Well, we'll have to see because I think, I think the uh, the setting and the humor and the, the, the verve of it might yeah. carry it. it. I mean, it will. It's, you know, it's going to be extraordinarily clever and very smartly designed. The level design is going to be sublime. Um but will they give it a chance because you're jumping and hopping and all that for mm-hmm. the vast majority of the game? We'll see, I guess. But look, if we could go back in time to when the first Psychonauts came out and then maybe two years past that when this probably should have come out, yeah. I, this game would been like a top two pick. Yeah. But the times have changed and it's been frustrating to for me to watch kind of the general gaming public reject 3D platformers. That's kind of what's happened over the last few years. Unless you're a 3D Mario game, you have trouble in that space. So it'll be interesting to see how it's received. Like, I have a feeling both of us are going to love it. Mm-hmm. But will all those fan sites that are run by 18 to 24-year-old kids like it as much as we do? I don't know. But it's your ninth pick. Yeah, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's weird enough to, 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 to cross the boundary. Yeah, it absolutely could. All right, here we go. <clears throat> the last pick. For our 10-game teams. Now, keep in mind, we have two alternates after this. So in case one of these games gets delayed out, we can slide in one of our alternates for that game. So we have two more picks after this. But this is the end of our team. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling that my team, like, this is going to be the team. Unless Avengers slips out, that's probably my biggest X factor. Um, But I have a feeling that, like... Other than that, I don't see anything on your team that could Yeah, I think I may have finally drafted a team where I get all 10 games. Mm -hmm. That would be very nice. Um... My last pick, and I got a little personal with this one. Uh, It may end up being a mistake, but it was a game that's really resonated with me, and I'm really excited for, you guys may not be, that's Gears Tactics. Um, XCOM with a budget the size of a Brumac. (laughs) I mean, that's really what it is. Um, It's being created by Splash Damage, uh, which makes me a little nervous because they've typically been first-person shooter developers, um, they made like enemy territory quake wars and they made a couple other free to play shooters along the way since then. This is not particularly in their wheelhouse, but when you have Microsoft looking over your shoulder and the support of all those internal teams, and I'm guessing they probably gave them a lot of tech support mm-hmm. with engines and stuff like that. And I mean, look at it. <laughs> yeah. I'll be <laughs> shocked if this scores below an eight. Yeah. I wouldn't go that far. I would say I'd be shocked if it gets below a seven because the other part of it too is The cinematic stuff is the X factor, really. Like, the actual gameplay of turn-based strategy games, it's not that hard to nail it. Mm. Like, there's no feel. It's turn-based. So as long as it looks okay and all the numbers work out and it's balanced, you're going to be good. And then you're left with the skin that goes on top of it. Uh, And wow, this is easily the best-looking turn-based strategy game I've ever seen by at least a couple magnitudes. So... I don't think it's that hard to make the base part of a turn-based strategy game good. Uh, The part that is hard to develop, I can see already with my own two eyes, it looks amazing. So um, 
I'm hoping for like a 7, 7.5 out of this, but if it gets that 8 you're talking about, I'm happy with that too. So there you go. That's my team. That's my squad, my 10-game team. Matt, what's your capper? My last pick is Kerbal Space Program 2. Yeah. That that might be the best pick of the draft, Matt. Yeah. You know, the first one got like a 9.1. Yeah. Um, as long as it comes out, I think it's going to be up there. I, I – I, this is another game that I was doing research on throughout the entire mm. draft, and everything is pointing to that game coming out this year because it was originally planned for last year. Even though we didn't know about it and they didn't announce it, like internally it was supposed to come out last year. Mm. And then they knew they weren't going to make it, so they put out the trailer that we're seeing now that we all love, this, one of the best trailers of 2019. Um, once they <clears throat> realized, okay, now we've got it to a place where we can commit to it coming out next year, I think you're fine. Mm. I think it's absolutely going to come out this year and i think it's absolutely going to score high and i think if you looked at an algorithm that looked at the best value pick meaning the score versus where you drafted it i think that game is going to be the best pick of the draft Hmm. that's or maybe no no yeah i think that's gonna be it i think it's great i think that's a great way to finish your draft all right what just him oh the trailer yeah (laughs) it's it's trailer's amazing it's so great uh, all right, now it's time for our two alternates. These two games may not matter. Mm-hmm. Um, they could matter big time. And for me, they've mattered every year. Mm-hmm. I, well, the first year, we didn't even have alternates. We just got screwed. Right. But every year that we've had alternates, I've had to use at least one. So these end up becoming pretty valuable. Uh, and I got the first pick of the alternates because Matt picked his 10 last. And my first pick for alternates is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2. And I am guessing that there are more than a few people who sat and watched this draft and the whole time were like, Zelda, Zelda, where's Zelda? Why aren't you going to pick Zelda? But I think now that you've watched this, you've, you've figured out why, we, why Zelda mm-hmm. wasn't picked as a proper game. Yeah, game. but here, here's, so here's my question. Like, if I, I actually forgot about Breath of the Wild 2. Oh, really? Even though, even though I do think this, it, it has a shot this year. Yeah. But if I had remembered it, I would have picked it, like, Eighth, ninth, or tenth. Oh, really? Because I, I don't. Because I, you know, I think this is a pretty low percentage chance it's coming out. You know, it's, it's a wild shot. This yeah. is, it's like when I picked Elder Scrolls Six that one year. Right, right. Like I don't. I, I would always. You'd put, rather put Zelda in your lineup and then have an alternate swap in. Right, because this is useless. Because if it does as an come out, yeah, you're right. Well, it's not useless, but because it probably doesn't exist yet. So if like if your one of your, if your alternates are like. Maybe has like a fifteen percent chance of coming out. That doesn't. Really but that's only one of my alternates. So with my second pick, which we haven't revealed yet, mm-hmm. I made sure that my second pick was something that was scheduled to come out in the first three months of right. the year. I'm just saying, like, it's such a long shot. But if it is correct, it's going to be a huge scorer. Yeah, I would want it on my actual team. No, you're probably right. So I probably should have done that. So when it drops out, I mean, not that I want to give you like strategy no, advice right. for next time, but like. Like, I would put that on my main team, so if it does come out, I get the benefit, and if it doesn't come out, I have a solid alternate to kind of... I think the, the flip hole. side of that is then you have to be way more conservative with your alternates, Yeah, but the risk is probably worth it. And I was pretty conservative with my alternates. I you think. were, yeah. So my first alternate is Watch Dogs Legion. Um, Another which, game that I looked at, like, the whole uh, draft. I am very confident this is coming this year. You are? Maybe, maybe late this year, but... Uh, I even have a slight sneaking suspicion Assassin's Creed might slip and this might replace it. Really? Um, I, I'm not sure what Ubisoft's end of the year looks like at this point. I think I think there's a little bit of panic. I didn't want to take anything Ubisoft in this so, draft. It's understandable. it's understandable. But I think Watch Dogs is, is, is out this year. Uh, I don't know how well it will score. 
Um, the last two have scored very well. did well, but this is a reinvention, and we don't. There's a lot of new ideas in it, and who knows how well those are going to be implemented, especially at launch. I mean, if that's, and that's why it keeps getting delayed, is because Breakpoint had the problem of not implementing a lot of its ideas properly at launch. So, yep. hopefully, when they do put it out, it's because it's ready to go. Um, but uh, I was really just looking for a high-end sort of AAA thing that I think would score solid. And I was very pretty sure it was making it this year. Yeah, I mean that's a great pick, but obviously one of your games is got to slip out to right. for it to be viable. And I don't think I'm I'm pretty confident about most of those games in, on my list, except maybe Dying Light Two. Yeah. So uh, I didn't feel I didn't feel like I needed it to be like a, a masterstroke, but uh, just to sort of fill the gap and make sure it's not a zero. Yep. Yeah, and so with my second alternate, I went crazy conservative because. I don't think Breath of the Wild 2 is coming out this year. Um, I also don't think I'm going to need an alternate, but in case I do need one, I wanted to make sure that my second pick was something that's guaranteed to come out this year, and that is Wasteland 3. Mm -hmm. It's currently scheduled for release in March. It's been in development for like an eon. Uh, There's really no chance that this game does not come out. Um, Obviously, the Wasteland cachet is extremely high. it has been a long time since the last Wasteland, and there is kind of a new team working on Wasteland 3. And we haven't seen a ton of media for it yet, uh, but the pedigree is there. What they have shown of the game looks impressive so far. It is definitely coming out this year. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of excitement for it among PC gamers. Um, and, and Xbox, it's on Game Pass. And, and you're right, and it's coming to Game Pass. So to me, Wasteland 3 was just me covering my ass. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, in case everything goes wrong, uh, I'll have this game sitting there that'll at least get me like a 6.5 or a 7 or something like that. Yeah. All right, so what's your last alternate, Matt? Mine is also pretty safe. Uh, it is Sports Story. And I didn't even know what this which, was at uh, first. It's the sequel to Golf Story Yeah, I didn't um, know on that. the Switch. It's scheduled for summer. Uh, and the first golf, st- the golf, st- golf story was brilliant. And yes, it was. Reviewed, yes, it is. Still. Reviewed very well. Is is one of the best things, best early releases on the Switch that maybe people didn't weren't necessarily aware of for a while. I think this one will, you know, by the same people. I think it's going to be just as good, maybe better. And it felt like a pretty solid pick in the sense of like, I think this is a guarantee eight. Yeah. Like, just like a fun little like Switch game that like following up on what was already a really cool little like unique little thing. And uh, I feel I feel good having this sort of like in the back pocket if it if it ends up being needed. The X factor might be, and I, I'm probably reaching here a little bit. The last game, all they had to do was handle one sport. <laughs> Seriously though, yeah. This one, and it's a sport that's also pretty easy to handle in video mm-hmm. games. This one different. They're like action sports now, where you act timing and controls actually matter. Uh, that would just be one concern I would have. But, yeah. But otherwise, it, that's a great pick for your second alternate. And it's definitely coming this year as well. So there you go. That's the SFL 2020 draft. How do you feel about your team? Pretty good. Although I feel like uh, this might end up being the closest it's ever been. I think these teams are real close. Yeah. Uh, I th- And I'm excited about it. Like, I'm excited to follow this for the rest of the year and watch, like, as you get a game release and you jump ahead in the race and then I get one release and I jump ahead. Uh, I think this might be the best season uh, we've ever had in the SFL, uh, just looking at these teams. But I'm curious, what do you guys think? Uh, we do have a trailer of the week this week. And while we're running it, why don't you guys go into the chat and tell us which team you think is better and just a quick sentence of why. Um, and when we get back from the trailer of the week, we'll read some of the best ones. Uh, we want to hear your analysis. We want to 
Although you guys may want to keep it close to the vest, right? Because some of these guys in chat are going to be doing their own draft. So I get that. If you don't want to tip your hand in the chat, I get it. But you can at least say which team you think is better. So with that, it's time for our trailer of the week. It's been an off-kilter episode of the show because we're doing our draft. So I wanted a trailer that kind of fit the theme. This is this show's kind of a Frankenstein. We did a couple of normal topics, and then mm-hmm. we did a draft. So I wanted a trailer of the week that kind of represented the kind of show that we just did. And yesterday, uh, Universal finally released the second trailer for the theme park that it's working on with Nintendo mm. in Japan. Uh, now, don't get too excited. When I saw this, I thought it was going to show off all the rides and stuff for the first oh, time. No. no. They, they handle it a little bit differently. Let's give it a watch. What do you think, Matt? Obviously, they're not showing the rides yet, mm-hmm. but they're Although kind of showing concepts, I guess. Some concepts. It looks like there might be some kind of AR thing at some point. Uh, clearly, clearly, you're going to be able to buy hats. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, I mean, Mario, a Mario Kart 
coaster is sort of a, a, a given. given. Yeah. Um, I am a little... Rainbow Road, it yeah. has to be, right? I'm a little disappointed that, like, it's so Mario-focused. Yeah, it doesn't like, really encapsulate... More... Yeah, it doesn't encapsulate all of Nintendo. Yeah. Like, you're saying, where's Metroid? Yeah. I mean, I didn't expect Metroid, really, but, like, would I would I ride, like, a weird sort yeah. of dark Metroid ride? Like, absolutely. Yeah, of course. Be... I mean, I'll ride everything. Like, yeah. I, if I make it over there to check this out, I'll ride everything. Absolutely. Um, but... Uh, also, that is sure to throw up a copyright strike on YouTube. So yeah, people watching this on YouTube, that trailer may have just been completely blacked out for you guys. But for our patrons and subscribers, uh, we should be able to run it. Um, but we'll have to change it before we get out to the wild. All right. Let's, uh, let's take a look and see what people think about our teams here. Also, now is your chance to uh, ask us some questions. We'll do a little bit longer of a Q&A because obviously this is a shorter episode. Uh, go at Sifted Games if you want to ask us a question. Um, let's see. Where is the point where we asked? Uh, Edel Studios. I think Shane might finally win again. Um, Tomb Raiders. I can't call it this year. I think you're both even. Um... Johnny Hurricane says, it'd be pretty nuts if Shane lost Avengers and it got replaced by Zelda. Yeah, it yeah. would. <laughs> what an upgrade. <laughs> uh, Mike's Q says, I think Matt, Matt's team is only slightly better due to his are from developers that have a good launch day reputation. Hmm. Shane has some patch-heavy hitters, but really close. That's a good point, actually. You're right. Yeah, Some of the games I have, those games end up becoming great eventually. I like a bunch of jerks point. Where is that? Down Matt's there. team wins. His list leans more into the power of nostalgia. That's Bump. A good, that's a good point. Nostalgia bumps all all around. That's true. That's a good point, actually. Um, uh, um, I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's nobody predicted who was going to win. Uh, FF8 Master C. Matt has more games I will play. So it looks like he's leaning towards you. That's it. Wow. Surprise! You guys didn't want to chime in more. Interesting. Uh, okay, let's get to some questions. Uh, freeze frame rate. Thank you for subscribing via Twitch Prime. That's awesome. Mark Simpson, UK. Uh, no Forza in any of your picks. Surprised it isn't the word. Surprised isn't the word. LOL. Hmm. Well, Forza Horizon is not coming out this year. Yeah, but Forza Motorsport 8 probably is. Yeah, that's actually... I think, I think He does bring launch. up a pretty good point. Yeah, I, I thought about it. I just didn't... Didn't want to roll the dice. And I also, like, don't know how Forza's going to score anymore. I don't either, like, honestly. It doesn't seem like driving sims just score that high anymore, I mean, really. you could get kind of the default, like, hey, it's really good and it's really pretty 9 out of 10. Kind yeah. of thing. Or it could be like, yeah, we played this a lot. We've I've already got three of these on the previous system. Maybe it's time to move along. Yeah, I just, I just, I, you know, especially because we don't know what it is or what it's going to do. Like, I feel like until that E3 presentation, the inevitable E3 presentation of Forza 8, like, you're not going to know whether it's something that's going to catch some attention or just going to be like, oh, this is another thing, and I'd rather play rather play Halo Infinite. Yeah. I'm just not that excited about Forza Motorsport, I'll be honest. That's why it never even yeah. entered my mind. Because I thought about it. I just decided to... I didn't even think it, about leave it. Leave it on the side of the road. Like, I know it's coming out, but it just never even, like... If it had entered. been Horizon, I probably would Oh, I would have. I yeah. remember I drafted Horizon yeah. the last time it came out. I'm all over that, but the... More rigid Forza Motorsport, not so much. Um, let's see. Mike's Q. No, that's not a question. Hype. Uh, J. Reed Vic 7, with the rise and dominance of games as a service that people will continue to play, 
How much do launch lineups or overall lineups matter for the mass market who will eventually upgrade to next-gen consoles? Uh-oh, we just hit the hype train level two. <laughs> do you know about this, Matt? No. So it's this brand-new feature on Twitch uh, where if people give enough bits and cheers, mm-hmm. it builds this hype level. And then if you get it all the way to the top, like, the hype train happens. And I believe, like, a train, like, animates across and, like, all this stuff happens. Mm. Like, the screen explodes. I don't know. We'll have to find out. Um, maybe someday we'll get it. We're only at level two at 28%. So we need another 72% to find out what the hype train is. <laughs> so, or hype train level three. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Maybe that's just 28% of level two. Yeah, it is. Oh, God. We'll never make it. That's not happening. <laughs> um, anyway, let's get back to the question. How much do launch lineups or overall lineups matter for the mass market who will eventually upgrade to next-gen consoles? I mean, I think they matter. Uh, I don't know how much games as a service really takes away the incentive to get the next best thing, uh, the, the, the bigger, better thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I think the more I think games as a service if impact more has been sort of cannibalizing each other. Um, and uh, so, so does it? Is it matter whether Destiny Two plays on your new system? Probably, if you're that into Destiny Two. But how many people are going to make that decision one way or the other? I don't know. That, that's an X factor that I hadn't really thought about before. I wonder if that will fa- will be part of it. Well, the other thing too is so like we've never seen games as a service as a launch game. Mm-hmm. I can't remember a single launch game that was a gas. I don't think so. Yeah. So maybe that's, this, maybe this time. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I we mean, have presumably that... like Fortnite will be there day one. Right? Well, there's also that like slash looter mm-hmm. from Ninja Theory that's coming to Bleeding Xbox. Edge. Yeah. yeah, so and that'll obviously play on Series X as well. So that's an example of it. That could be a game as a service. I don't even know if that game's going to be free to play or not. I'm still waiting to find out. Um, Justin Horman, what's the best game to release in the next three months of the year for the past two? Gen- oh, we can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a tip for you guys. If if you're gonna ask us a question that you believe we're gonna have to like look up the answer for, it's it's not gonna work. Yeah. I mean, maybe we're disappointing him and he expected us to just know this off the top of our heads. Maybe, but that would be really hard. <laughs> What's the best game best to release generation. in the first three months of the year for the past two generations since the 360 era? Um, I mean, I'm gonna say Mass Effect Two. Yeah, that came out in January, and that was like my number two game of the decade. So Past I'm two gonna, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it with Mass Effect 2. That's probably a safe pick. Yeah. 56%. Uh ETH D oh we're at 56%. Get on the hype train! <laughs> <Choo-choo>! <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh <laughs> ETH Demon. So we are getting a Smash Direct. Who do you think the fighter will be? Man, I don't fucking know. I don't um, effing care. Who can, <laughs> who can predict at this point? I mean, it's there's no predicting it because no. it's all over the map at this point, and there hasn't been any hints the way there have been for prior characters. No. Really, you have no clue. Could be anything. It really could be anything. Try to think of some games that's coming out for Switch that Nintendo's partnered with, and that might help. Maybe like a Fortnite character or something, or like the Vanquish guy. Yeah, like, um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, or what about like Dante from Devil May Cry? Yeah, Dante would be possible because all the DMCs are coming to Switch right now. Yeah, that's true. But otherwise, I think we're just whistling in the dark. We really have no no way to know. Master Chief coming in. Oh, hype train! Hype train, one (laughs) hundred percent. Is that it? 
Hype! Go, Gutex, go! <laughs> is that it? Well, now we're on level three. That's all it is? Okay, so we haven't actually had, like, the hype train happen yet. No, the train isn't here We just reached level two of... Okay, now we're level I don't know how many levels of hype train there are. (laughs) There it goes. It's inching up. Oh, I see. That band across the top, like, shows your progress. Interesting. All right. load bar. We'll see if we can make it there before we finish Q&A. Back on TV, there's someone who who said that my team was better. Shane's List is the better one overall, I think. Uh, Matt, what do you think? This is from Not Sir. What do you think of the Street Fighter Five patch from a modder? Do you I know see, what he's talking about? Uh, I think he means it's a patch that somebody did that, like, basically fixed the netcode. Oh, oh. Um, and of course, the question is like, why didn't Capcom just right fix do it itself? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a good question. Uh, I don't know why that didn't happen. I mean, sometimes also remember, like, programming and that kind of thing is is an art. Yeah, as yeah, well as absolutely. It's, it's like sometimes you know he might have just seen something that no one else. At Capcom, could see that's you know, true. I don't know. Yeah, um, I'm glad he did it. Like you know, just further proof that you know the, the community is is uh, really good at filling gaps. I mean, look how fast all the Witcher games had mods to put that toss a coin to your Witcher song. Yeah, just like after that. After the Netflix show went up. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it's good. I think it's cool. I just I hope Capcom like contacts the guy and is like, uh, hey, how how'd you do that? <laughs> can we can we have that? Yeah. Can we do that? Like, yep. Uh, Jay Reed Vic, thanks for Twitch Prime. FF8, Master C, thank you for Twitch Prime. Veritas, thank you for Twitch Prime. Axel F1986, thank you for Twitch Prime. Vinu Raba, thank you. That got us to the the level two of the hype train, <laughs> man. It was all about you. You did it. Thank you. Um, let's see. How did they make the emoji with, like, the hand on my chin there? I guess it's a new <laughs> thing. I don't know what that is. It's interesting. Uh, Mike's Q. This might be a Pactor question, but do you think Gen Nine games will be sixty nine ninety nine each in the U.S.? Most other territories are already have more adjusted pricing. I don't think they will. I think they'll stay at sixty for the time being. Yeah, I don't think they're going up either. It's just one of those fixed costs. Yeah, that that's, just that's been, what the microtransactions that are for. That, that, yeah. They make it up with with the microtransactions and season passes. Yeah, that's all. yeah, I think it's going to stay at fifty nine ninety nine. At least I hope so. Um, S- Although if anybody does it, it'll be Sony. No, you're right. Absolutely. Uh, SJD Swanland, thank you for Twitch Prime, man. 18 months. You rock. I could see Sony making the PlayStation 5. Uh-oh, we're exclusive. 65% on the level 3 hype train. 67 now. 67%. I could definitely see uh, Sony making the PlayStation 5 exclusive games, 69.99. I could see that. Yeah. Because they're... Ray tracing costs ten bucks. <laughs> yeah, they'll make up some lame excuse. Uh, Lynn Jeff ninety nine. My daughter who is seven just got a switch, and we have Mario Kart. I'm guessing you got the Mario Kart eight bundle. Uh, what would be another must buy family multiplayer game? FYI, she's asking for Street Fighter. Well, if she's Damn. asking for Street Fighter, Get her Street then Fighter. you buy her Street Fighter. <laughs> That's it. It's done. You should yeah. be so happy your daughter wants to play Street Fighter. She knows what she wants. Yeah, get, get it for her. I mean, but obviously Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers That's is the fine. other one. But look, if your daughter wants Street Fighter instead of Smash, get her Street Fighter. Yeah. Absolutely. That's an upgrade. She'll, get, she'll be a better player if she learns how to play Street Fighter first. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what I would do. But obviously Smash, a great alternative. What I'm supposed to say, get snipper clips? <laughs> or arms. Get the poor girl Street Fighter. Or get them arms. <laughs> Uh, one Super Master Gamer, how many years do you think next gen will last? These are great questions, guys. 
You guys are knocking it out of the park today. Uh, six long, years. That's six, seven years, yeah. Yeah. I think they'll be exactly the length of this one. Yeah. Yeah, because nothing's really changed hardware-wise. No. That would necessitate it ending sooner or later. No. We'll see if, like, the generations are even that clearly delineated. Or they could ju- it could just go for 30 years. I mean... Yeah, it could just be increment. I mean, Xbox clearly doesn't seem to intend to release a new numbered system anymore. Right. They're just going to put out these series upgrades. Of whatever, yeah. Really, the last... You know, who knows? What, I guess it depends what Nintendo calls their next system. But really, the only one still putting numbers on their systems is Sony. Yep. Is, and will there be a PlayStation 6? Probably. Probably? But yeah. It probably will be the last PlayStation 6. I mean, they, play, they promised us PlayStation 9 in that uh, PS2 oh, right, ad right. where you inhale it yeah, and that's right. hallucinate <laughs> the latest Uncharted, I guess. I forgot about that. Uh, Dinky Doo 15, is there any way games can get easier or faster to make with next-gen consoles? The cost just keeps going up for development. Yeah. I mean, actually, the cost... I would argue it keeps going down. Hype train! Hype train! We just hit level two! <laughs> we got a level two hype train emote. What does that mean? I don't know. You hit, hit thank? I don't know. Thank, thank? I'm too old to know what all this Twitch stuff is. What happened? I think I hit it too late. You, you got, a, you got a, a new tra- hype train emote. Hooray. Let the channel know you've earned a hype tra- new hype so now, train emote. So now everybody has these weird emotes they can use. Yeah. Can everybody see what I'm seeing, though? That there's the new hype train emote? I don't know if the people who are watching the stream can do that. Now, look, all well, these emotes. Deliver- they're being delivered to the supporters. Oh, so. that is awesome. So the people who actually donated the bits to get to that level are the ones who get the rewards. Yeah. That's great. Well, that's a great idea. Let us know if this annoys the living crap out of you, by the way. If, if you <laughs> want us to get rid of it, let us know because uh, it could become annoying. But it's kind of fun right now, I think. Um, okay, back to Dinky Doo's question. I think they are getting faster and easier to make all the time. Mm-hmm. Just look at Unreal Engine 4. I mean, the stuff that they're creating in that, I mean, just the fact that you can make a game that helps people make games mm-hmm. just shows how much easier game development is becoming. Yep. If you can make a game like Dreams, then your tools are in a place where they're pretty good. So I, I think it's if you're an indie developer, it's cheaper and easier to build a game than ever before. Because a lot of these middleware programs, these engines, will let you use them for free. And then once you sell the game, then you give some residuals back to the the holder of the, the license for it. But, yeah, I I think game development, based upon what you have to do to make a modern video game, is pretty cheap, relatively speaking. Yeah, I mean, nobody's building their own engine anymore. Well, a few do, but not many. Not too much. I mean, I mean even Kojima... Shopped yep. around for an already built engine. Yeah, I mean, it's just the way it is anymore. So and Remember, his whole thing used to be building an engine to handle specifically what he wanted to do. Yeah. So, so I don't think it's the game development environment that's making games take longer to make and more expensive to make. I think it's that the expectations for games now are so high that if you want your game to sell, then mm-hmm. you have to spend that amount of money to do it. Um, but actually, getting feature B into your game is quicker and easier than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. So, But just the scope of games has grown so much that there's just a lot more work to do. But the work's easier. Um, Vinaraba, thanks again for those bits. He's the one who's doing it, man. He's, he's keeping the hype train going. Look at the, a bunch of jerks. Look at that Mike's cue with the... Ah! This is it. This is where all it all came from. Shit. Look at all this. Furax75, thank you. SJ Swanlin, an anonymous cheerer, thank you. This is freaking sweet. 
Wampler, thank you for Twitch Prime. Awesome. Hype train is real. It is. A hype train is real. <laughs> this is great. Uh, Zelectro, GTA 6 in 2020. Not a chance in hell. I wouldn't say not a chance, but I would say no. <laughs> I would say very slim to no chance, but there is a chance. But no. Uh, Mitchell is alive. Favorite developer, favorite publisher. What would you like to see them make together? Um, I mean... Probably Insomniac and Sony, and I'd like to see them make Spider-Man 2. Nah, there you go. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to get my wish. Yep. Uh, Vinaraba also gifting subs to one to Meloac. Thank you, man. You're killing it today. Uh, Ryan Anderson, another 100 bits. Look, you guys, I love this. You guys all banded together to make it happen. This is awesome. Thank you, guys. It's really sweet. Um, yeah, more bits. You guys just kept giving them up. This is so freaking awesome. <laughs> All right. I think that's it for your questions, though. Yeah. And all the... Okay. That's it. Thanks, guys. This has been a fun show. Shorter than normal. What time uh, is it? A, they had a, there was a question from the booth. Oh. About uh, somebody wanted them to ask you if uh, what your, what you, who your picks for the teams to be in the Super Bowl are. Oh. That's hard. Um, okay. So, in the NFC, we have... The 49ers and the Packers. The 49ers are playing at home. The 49ers defense looked impenetrable last week against a pretty good offense. Um, the Packers offense has been sporadic this year. Uh, they've been able to run the ball. They haven't been able to pass very well all season long. Um, and I think that's going to be the Achilles heel. I think it's going to be a really close game, but I do think the 49ers win. So in the NFC, the 49ers. The AFC is more difficult, I believe. Um, if you guys watched uh, the Chiefs come back from being down 24 to nothing. That was crazy. It's insane. Even I knew that was it's crazy. It's insane. It, insane. Like John Drake was saying, he's like, I went outside to help Andrea with something for eight minutes, and I came back, and it was, it was they scored 21 no, points. No, no, no. I was out driving around. The kickoff, <laughs> I was listening to the game on the radio. Kickoff. I walk into the store. I come out. It's 14 to nothing. Mm -hmm. I was like, what the hell happened? And I just thought it was over. Like, I, I, I was going to go back and watch the game. I saw that score, and I was like, oh, I guess I'll run a few more errands. So I just drive around, do my thing. I come home. I walk in the door when, they, when the Chiefs scored the first touchdown. I was like, okay, they scored. I'll sit down and watch now. And then it's <laughs> just unreal. So oh, I don't know. It, that is a really tough game to call because Tennessee's running game can't be stopped. Tennessee's defense is probably a little bit better than the Chiefs' defense. But the Chiefs' offense can score really quick and really fast. Man, it's so hard. Really I would, quick and really fast. Like, I'll say this. Like, if you're betting, I'm assuming the Titans are the underdog. I would bet on the Titans. So even if it's like a three- or four-point spread, I would bet on the Titans because I think it's going to be a really close game. Um, as far as winning, I'm shading just slightly towards the Chiefs. Um, and only because I feel like they can score and strike so fast um, that I think, the and as I proved last week, they can come back from pretty much any deficit. They never say die. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go with the Chiefs, but I think it's going to be close. So my call for the Super Bowl is San Francisco 49ers versus Kansas City Chiefs. I hope the Niners lose because if they win, they would tie the Steelers and the Patriots with six Super Bowls, which hmm. is something I... I, I care about, which is really petty and sad. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just admit it right here on, on a live stream. Um, so anyway, that those are my picks for the Super Bowl. Uh, who wins the Super Bowl once they get there? 
I'd probably have to go 49ers. I hate to admit it, but they're the, the most complete team. They have a good defense and a good offense. The Chiefs' offense is really good, but its defense has been spotty. Sorry, Jared. Jared, our TriCaster TD, is a Chiefs fan. Um, but, yeah, I do think that they'll win and make it to the Bowl, but I think the Niners will ultimately win the Super Bowl. So mm-hmm. there you go. Those are my picks. And we hit Hype 2, or Hype I Train agree. Level 2. We'll take it. That's pretty good for the first time we had the Hype Train on an episode of Game Face. So thanks to everybody who donated bits for that. That was really fun. I really enjoyed it. It was a good time. Uh, and thanks for all you guys who, who followed us for the draft. Again, the Sifted Fantasy Challenge on the site that anybody can enter launches next Tuesday. If, you, if you're on the site, you'll see plenty of communication about it. If not, uh, we'll, we'll launch it officially on the show next Tuesday. Uh, there will be a real prize for the winner, uh, but we're doing a lot of work on it right now. But if you're on Sifted.net, Uh, you'll get a heads up that this is happening. And a lot of you guys will be able to actually pick your teams way before next Tuesday. At least we think that's the way it's going to work. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully some games start coming out. I have a Dragon Ball Z Kakarot sitting in my inbox right now. But, I mean, that's the biggest game of January. Not it. (laughs) (laughs) I am already jumping on the grenade. But, uh but anyway, we'll be back here Tuesday, same time, same place. Uh, thanks to all you guys who checked us out. Good luck in all your drafts. I know a lot of you guys are doing drafts on Sifted and, and other places in all honesty, which is awesome. It's great to see how it's caught on. Uh, but good luck in all your drafts. Hopefully what Matt and I did today provided a little bit of a framework for you guys to work from. Hopefully we picked a couple games where you're like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Hmm. That helps in drafts. Um, when you get in the later rounds, especially if you're in drafts where you have like five or six people it gets really hard by, like, the fifth round to, like, pick games. So hopefully we gave you a little bit of insight, and uh, it'll help you guys. And good luck in your leagues as well. So we'll be back here next Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Game face is up and out.